before you even wake up. News for today is working for you. How the weather will affect your plans for the next few hours, even the next 10 days. And what you need to know to get ready for your day, no matter how it looks. Where you need to go, how you're gonna get there. The stories you need to know for the day. And showing you great things happening in our community. Whenever you're ready to start your morning, we'll be ready for you. News for today is working for you. All right, folks, we're over here at the um, IBM TV network. And of course, we're having an, another exciting show and a lot of folks are paying attention to a lot of things that are going on around our community and things along that line. So we're definitely paying attention to the uh, pandemic. And of course, a lot of folks are trying to figure out if we're going to get a stimulus package or not. So a lot of folks are very much concerned about that. And we're going to see how that all plays out and what goes on in that regard. So a lot of people are paying attention to that. And of course, a number of other things are happening in our community and around. So a lot of folks are concerned about their area and where they live at and all of that. So I know a lot of people are out there paying attention. And I was just reading an article recently where there's even a shortage of Christmas trees here in Durham, North Carolina. So that's where I'm based at. And there seems to be a shortage of Christmas trees and folks are somewhat shocked by that. So we're going to find out a lot of things that are going on in the community. And of course, we're going to have a very interesting conversation here at the online dinner parties. As a matter of fact, last week we had a bunch of educators here and they were talking about the importance of education and a lot of things that are going on within the education community as it relates to the uh, pandemic and folks and how they are surviving and all along those lines. But I've got a very amazing guest today that I'm looking forward to having a conversation with, that being Fran Harris, who has got a uh, sports drink out, but who is also a former WNBA player. So definitely looking forward to having a great conversation with her and learning more about her career, her life, and all of that. And of course, we've got this global community here on IBM TV, and I'm sure that many folks here will be interested in learning more about her career and what she's doing in the world of entrepreneurship, because she is definitely a leader in entrepreneurship. I actually had the pleasure of meeting her through the Black Business Expo that Eric Kelly did, and that was a great opportunity, and I met a lot of great leaders in that regards. So I'm here to bring Fran into the conversation, and we'll see what she's got to say about things that are going on in the world. So right now, bringing Fran into the conversation and seeing how she's doing. How are you doing, Fran? How is everything going? Hey, Mark, is it still 2020? I mean, are we still 2020 right now? Yeah, it's still 2020. Unfortunately, we're still in 2020. You know, they say 2021 will be better, but I think we've got a few more days left in 2020. But 2020 has been just like a rolling nightmare, I think, ever since maybe January 1st, but at least since the pandemic started. But tell folks a little bit more. Like I said, I did mention the fact of your sports background, having played in the WNBA and a number of other things, but I'm sure folks would love to learn more about your uh, background and all of that. Because like I said, when I was telling folks, they were like, wow, Fran's just done a lot of things. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> she's, amazing. she's an amazing lady and she's still doing some amazing things. Yeah, my my uh, my mantra in life is to really maximize my dash, the dash between the date that you were born and the date that you leave this place. And so I've done a lot in my life simply because of that. Uh, lost my mother at an early age, which kind of accelerated that feeling for me that, you know, things are not promised. Life is not promised. You can be here today and be gone tomorrow. So my life has kind of been broken down into three, three S's, sports, sports casting, 
um, in sales. I played at basketball at the University of Texas and had a great career there. Became a part of a, the NCAA's first undefeated women's basketball championship team. We were 34-0 my senior season. And that really catapulted me into a different level of, of potential in terms of just what I wanted to do after sports, whether that was television. Uh, I chose to go into sales with Procter & Gamble, got a great pedigree as a sales uh, sales executive there selling, some of you know these brands, Crest Toothpaste and Scope Mouthwash, but deter, you know, decided very early on that I did not want to sell toothpaste and mouthwash for the rest of my life. So I started my own consulting company, left there before I was 30 and started my own consulting company, helping entrepreneurs transition from their nine to five to their own companies. And so started consulting with uh, companies on sales and leadership and culture. And that kind of catapulted me to another level and kind of got tired of doing that um, within companies and started pursuing my broadcasting career. Still have that company, but started pursuing my broadcasting career, given my sports background and, and started in television with ESPN as an independent contractor probably 20 years ago. And um, so that brought me to the day because Mark mentioned I have a sports drink. I developed actually a, a started a, a founded a sports company, a sports drink company, functional beverage company that we'll talk a little bit about. But that's where I am today. And so my career has come full circle from playing basketball to being a sales executive at Procter and Gamble and uh, having my own my own consulting company that I still have. I've had for twenty five years, and now launching a new beverage company called Electra. Wow. Um, and I definitely want to get to that thing with the uh, sports drink and everything. But how did you feel with entrepreneurs? Because like I said, a lot of folks are doing that pivot. And I know we oftentimes talk about that pivot with entrepreneurs because of what's going on with the pandemic. But what are some of the big lessons that you would give to entrepreneurs? Because I feel that sometimes folks don't understand what they're getting into in right. entrepreneurship. I know that uh, I've got a lot of friends that are in entertainment and they oftentimes talk about show business and they're very good at the show part. They're not that good at the business part. So right. like I said, I was wondering some of your thoughts and I feel that same way sometimes about athletes as well. Cause I know that a lot of times we hear that sad story of too many athletes that made all kinds of money as athletes, but then mm -hmm. when they got into the business world, they didn't do as well. And in some cases even fell on hard times. Yeah. So one of the great things, I don't know how this happened, but I'm very thankful that it did that I realized early in my life, actually I do know how it happened early in my life. I learned that I wasn't going to play sports forever. And, and I say, actually, I do remember because I didn't start playing basketball until I was 15 years old. And as most of you know, that's really old to start playing basketball. Most kids start when they're three, four years old. But my mom actually wouldn't let me. It wasn't because I didn't want to. My mom wanted me to focus on being a scholar. She wanted me to be more of a student. And you're going to Princeton and you're not, you don't need to, you don't need sports. That was her mentality. You need something else. And so when she finally gave me permission to play, think about how that, that foundation had already been put into my head that I was more than whatever I thought I was going to be as a basketball player. And at first we didn't think I was going to be very good. So, so I needed, I needed what mom was instilling in me all those years, which was to grow your brain, grow your confidence so that you can do whatever you want. So I brought that to basketball. And when I graduated from Texas and then played on national USA national teams, I was a professional player overseas, always in business. I've oh, I started my first company when I was nine years old. It was a snow cone stand. So I've always thought, you know, there's something more for me. And so when I really retired from basketball, I had the confidence to pursue stuff because I knew I could. 
And what I find with what I find with a lot of if we're talking about athletes and people who've done certain things all their lives, what I find is that you develop a lot of competency and genius in that one lane. And then when it's time to transition to something else, it's crazy because you don't have all this confidence you had on the field and on the court. Now I can't get you to put two sentences together because you don't like talking in front of people. So, so it's, so I'm grateful for my parents for instilling that into me. And I think it's the same thing with people pivoting now from what they've always done in business and trying to figure out if they can do this entrepreneurship thing. And so for me, it's, it's about the confidence, but it's also about acknowledging that it's never going to be the perfect time, right? Even if people talk about the pandemic, this is, to me, it's no worse time than it was 10 years ago. Honestly, there's something different going on, but if you're going to do it, you may as well do it whenever you can do it, whenever you can make that transition. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I wish more people had that kind of attitude and everything. What are some of the lessons that you have learned in your entrepreneurship journey that you think that more folks should have um, a grip on and everything? Because I think that sometimes folks don't necessarily even understand what they're getting into when they become entrepreneurs. And you've been an entrepreneur for a number of years. So Mm -hmm. what are some of the lessons that you think that beginning entrepreneurs should learn? The one thing I would say is the most important capital that you have, the most important currency you have is relationship currency. It absolutely is the the ability to pick up a phone, to text someone and say, hey, I'm working on this. Do you know anybody who's in this? And, you know, 16 people will say will respond to that text and try to help you because of the currency that you built up, the capital you built up in that relationship. That is the number one. That's the number one thing that I think most entrepreneurs in general just ignore is your ability to build great relationships is critical to your success. So that's number one. Number two is have some mastery in something, right? Like do something really, really well. Like I know what I do really well and I know what I don't do well. And so when you know your areas of mastery, you can build your team and your board and your advisors around the areas that you don't have a lot of strength or competency in. And I think sometimes when we pivot as entrepreneurs, we try to be the, you know, we, we're taking the orders, we're sitting people at the table, we're washing the dishes, we're doing everything. And that's that's fine because I found myself doing a lot of that in my beverage company because it's a new company. But at some point you got to realize here are the things I need to step away from and here, here are the places where I need help and people can actually bring their mastery to this area and make our company stronger. Lots of entrepreneurs want to do everything sometimes because they're afraid to hire and sometimes because they want all the money. But what I've learned is that you can actually build a bigger company around you if you stay in your lanes of mastery and you hire people to do the things that you're not good at. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I'm earlier this week on one of my other shows here on the IBM TV network, I had a longtime friend on Ronnie Warner, who's a, uh, he's the person that was one of the producers of this Christmas, that very popular movie and everything. Mm -hmm. And he was saying that, um, Money isn't necessarily king, even in Hollywood. He actually thinks that content is king because what they're looking for is good content. They're not necessarily looking for the money and everything. So I was wondering your thoughts on that. Because like I said, when he came up with that, I thought that that was a very profound statement that he made. Yeah, I agree. I actually was meeting with my team Monday. We have a meeting every Monday at nine o'clock and we were they were we were talking about 2021 and we were talking about our goals. And I said, listen, I've got to get back to being the queen of content. Like literally, I've been making money online, very good money online since 1998. So the, the, the internet was baby, was in diapers when I started my first online business. And I go, and what I did was I just created a lot of content. Like the amount of content that I have in my library is staggering when I actually go back and look at it. 
So I said to my team, I go, hey, I've been focusing on a lecture for the last 12, 13 months. I got to get back to creating my content. And so I agree absolutely 100% with that because you have the ability to build some authority and thought leadership. If every time people turn around, they're bumping into one of my lead mag magnets or they're bumping into one of my videos or they're bumping into one of my lives, they'll be like, wait a minute, who is this person? And that's how you start to create that level of mastery and that, lab, that level of omnipotence, if you will, online because people can see you and you don't need a lot of money to create content. You need what we're doing right now. You need your phone, you need the computer, that's pretty much it. And, and Wi-Fi connection. So I completely wholeheartedly agree with with the content comment. Yeah, but I definitely agree with what he said about that and everything. Why do you think that um, 2021 is going to look as a uh, entrepreneur and everything of that nature? Because I know a lot of folks are very much concerned about even getting into business. I mean, we're hearing about yeah. the failures of restaurants. We're hearing about the failures of a number of other things. Of course, we are getting new leadership on the national level. But as an entrepreneur, what is your thoughts about the direction we've gone in and the direction that you feel that we'll be going into in 2021, which is just around the corner? Yeah, well, I was joking when I said this is still 2020 because 2020 has actually been a great year for me. I know people are like, oh, quit bragging. I'm like, but it really has. It's been a great year because I didn't, when the pandemic hit in March, here's the thing, the story behind that, when the pandemic hit in March, I was actually launching Electra at the Final Four. So I was going to uh, launch it at the Final Four. So how perfect was it to be launching a sports drink at the Men's and Women's Final Four? And then it hit. So, boom, like there went my wonderful, incredible genius launch. Right. And so if I had just sat in that and been like, oh, well, this is the most terrible thing that could have ever happened. But now I go, what can we do as a team to actually leverage whatever time we're about to get because of this thing that we know nothing about? And so we just kind of transitioned. Got to know our customer a little bit better, went to, you know, direct to consumer, can't be a retail. We just shifted. And so I think if more people would stop saying how much they hate 2020 and F 2020, you know, just being candid and all the other things that people are saying about 2020 and actually just kind of turn their car in the direction that they can get more positive results, then I think people would have, would have had different results in 2020. And so for me, it's about looking at 2021, looking at the time that 2020 gave us. And then going, OK, so 2021, here's what I know about 2021. We're supposed to have a vaccine. OK, so maybe I'll get to bring back in this revenue stream of physical events. Maybe by the summer we can do that. Right. So maybe I can actually start speaking a little bit more. So every entrepreneur out there, regardless of whether you have brick mortar or online, you need to be thinking of your business in terms of what you can exploit online and what you can exploit offline. And when you set up your business plans to complete, to have those two components, you're sitting in a good place because if the pandemic doesn't let up, then you've mastered and optimized your online exploits. And if the pandemic does let up, now you have two very powerful streams of revenues, one where you can do things in person and one where you can do things digitally. That makes a lot of sense. Um, one of the other things I was curious about is, can you tell us a little bit more about Electra and how Electra came about and all of that? Because I know a lot of folks are probably wondering, and that's a good thing. You've got the uh, product out there doing product placement. We love product placement and all of that. So if you can tell us a little bit about that and how you feel that you're going to compete with the uh, other ones that are out there. Because there are yeah. other sports drinks that are out there, and I'm wondering what's going to differentiate yours from sure. those that have been out there for a number of years. Yeah, absolutely. So first lesson is always be promoting. Always be pitching, always be selling. So Electra is a better for you sports drink. So when you think about the category leaders out there, you know what they are. Gatorade, Powerade, Body Armor. Uh, most of them are catering to an audience that's looking strictly for hydration. 
That's the best way I can say that. What Electra does is that it adds more functionality into the sports drink. So now you got, we have vitamins B, C, D, amino acids, electrolytes, vitamin water. You know, it's like, it's a vitamin water that hydrates. It's essentially what it is. And so what's different about it is that it's not just sugar, electrolytes, and salt, right? What consumers are asking for is, we want more. Can I put something healthier in my body? So that's why we added the vitamins B, C, and D. So build your immune system, um, build other systems within your body. So it literally is like pouring health into your body. That is what's different about it. And we started this because it was missing. What's on the marketplace, if you drink sports drink, you know what they're like. They are sugar water. That's pretty much what they are. And in good conscience, given how much Sports drinks, you guys probably know I've consumed in a 20-year basketball career. There has been nothing out there that actually addresses the fact that we want to put more functionality into our hydration. And so there is a really big lane to fill right now. And there are lots of companies who are attempting to fill this lane. And it's a big enough playground for us to come in and even become a billion-dollar company. That's how big the niche opportunity is in sports drinks. And speaking of sports drinks, are you making any inroads into reaching out to like some of the athletes, some of those that you might currently know, as well as some of those that might have played even in your era and everything in order to get sure. those endorsements? Because I know that endorsements are also very much important in the whole sports drink market. Yeah, great question. And the, the thing that's great about that question is our approach is a little bit different. and It'll be important to our audience is that we're not we're not catering to celebrity athletes. I mean, that might sound crazy, given that. I played the WNBA and the championship team. I've you know, been announcer for ESPN, and I know a lot of these guys and gals. But we're, we're making the star of our drink the everyday athlete, the everyday hustler, the everyday doer. That doesn't mean that we're turning away the people who have contacted us about endorsements for Electra. It means that this was a drink that was made for the mom or the dad on the go, the people who used to play but now are just looking for something a little bit higher functionality than water to drink after their workouts, the yoga person, the person who walks every day. So it's not that you have to be working out six to eight hours a day to drink it. It's not like a massive, oh, you need to be a professional athlete to drink uh, Electra. It is whatever your hustle is, hydrate it with Electra. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. Another thing that I was curious about, and I know that you're in Texas, if I remember correctly, is that Mm -hmm. correct? Right. Yeah, in Texas and everything. How are things going in terms of like even like just dealing with getting the market out there and getting the word out about the product when we are dealing with this pandemic? Because like I said, I know it's probably hard to have these meetings and things of these natures yeah. and even going to some of the gyms and things of that nature. Because unfortunately, that was a lot of the things that were closed at the early part of a lot of these things. And I know even in California, they're about to go through another lockdown. So I imagine Texas might mm-hmm. be doing the same eventually. So how are you dealing with that from a business aspect? Yeah, Texas in some places have been wild and out. I mean, that's the best way I can do it. Like, we can't get better because we just won't wear masks sometimes here. But, yeah, that was one of the biggest challenges. As I mentioned, we were going to launch Electra at the Women's and Men's Final Four in 2020. And then that got killed. But that also meant that we didn't have camps, clinics, hoop it ups. We, I mean, we had nothing. We couldn't. We were planning to be everywhere, really, with Electra in in um coolers and just everywhere. And then all of a sudden you couldn't do it. So we started doing a lot of digital stuff. We started getting people to try them because as y'all know, people didn't stop gathering just because the pandemic started. I just didn't go out there. So I started shipping (laughs) electric to tournaments, 
started getting product placement in places because if they're going to be out there, then I thought Electra should probably be out there. And so what it gave me the opportunity to do, as I said earlier, was was to capitalize on what is versus what is not. So what is is that people were out there. I could send my product out there and I got probably 50, close to 100 video testimonials, literally just from sending the product and then having somebody on premises getting people's genuine, honest reviews of the product. And so we can use that in our marketing. It's going to be very powerful. Yeah, that would be very powerful for sure. What are your thoughts about, and I do want to get back to some of the things with Electra as well, but what are your thoughts about which way sports is going and everything? Because like I said, I've been watching a couple of games. I actually went to Marquette. I got my Marquette uh, shirt on right now and everything, but I actually went to Marquette and was watching the game yesterday, but it's different watching these games without fans in the audience or, or limited audiences or limited fans. But as one that actually played before, what is your thoughts about which way sports is going and how will we see like some new hybrid model where we won't see as many fans or what are your thoughts as right. a former athlete? Well, it's hard. Part of the reason you, you love playing in an arena is the fact that you get the, the exposure to your fans and the excitement and the energy from your fans. Otherwise it's just practice. I mean, and, and, pra- and at some point everybody hates practice, but so I think what we're doing, what you're seeing at the college and the amateur level, the college level uh, is that, and pros is that we're just trying to be careful. And I'm thankful that we are because we need to be. And I've heard like, if we would just shut it down for like two to three weeks, we could literally get rid of the pandemic. We could get rid of COVID-19. Don't know that that's going to happen because we're not all playing by the same rules, but from a college, from an athletic standpoint, I know that it's important not to rush it, but at the same time, try to create some kind of environment that the fans can enjoy if some of them get to go there and the athletes can enjoy. But I've been amazed at how at every level, high school, college and the pros that people who were initially saying this is going to suck that we can't have fans are now understanding that the social distancing rules and the stay at home ordinances, all these things are so that we can get back to what we were, where we were in terms of full participation. But I like some of the things that I've seen in terms of just limiting access. Yeah, because I know I was watching a news report on a another network and they were actually talking about how they're going to start having like a um, kind of computer way that you would have to almost show that you had actually been vaccinated in order to even come in to the arena and things of that nature. So there are some tech companies that are actually creating these kind of platforms that you would have to show that you'd already been vaccinated in order to even get into the Mm -hmm. arena or the big coliseums and things along those lines. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and whether they're actually able to create that and everything. I know that we're definitely an international platform. So I was wondering, I know that you've traveled around the world and everything, but is there a difference of the way the business is practiced in other parts of the globe versus the way you feel that we do it here in America? And what are some of the advantages or disadvantages of the American way of doing entrepreneurship? Well, I play, one of the places I played in their business was in Italy and Switzerland. And so it's two of the most beautiful countries, places you could ever leave, you could ever live. One of the things that I noticed that was really different, first of all, in the athletic arena was just we would go out to eat after games or my professional team would go out to eat after games. And so, you know, I eat my pizza and I'm like, all right, deuces. You know, I'll check you out, out later. And they're like, where are you going? Like, it would be like 30 minutes. And they're like, sit down. Like, you Americans drive us crazy with your, you know, let's just go. But that was what I was used to at home. We ate. We chatted. I'm going home. 
Dunkin' is putting a whole new spin on pumpkin at Dunkin' with our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold, cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam made with cinnamon and nutmeg spices. And there's more pumpkin for you to love, like the delicious fall classic, our pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. That's how we pumpkin at Dunkin'. Sip into the fall season with the $3 medium pumpkin cream cold brew or pumpkin spice signature latte. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusion apply. Valid on pumpkin spice signature latte only in all cold foam cold brew. You might have noticed a change in your neighborhood lately. Yep, Sprint stores are now T-Mobile stores. Now that Sprint is T-Mobile, you get more coverage, value, and benefits than ever before. We've invested billions to bring our 5G from big cities to small towns across America. And great coverage is just the start. From high-speed mobile hotspot data to weekly deals and giveaways, our customers get tons of great benefits. Head to your new T-Mobile store to learn more. Qualifying service and capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain plan or features. See T-Mobile.com. Right? And I learned to just be more casual about the business, meaning sit down, we're going to have dinner, we're going to have a cup of coffee afterwards. You're going to probably have it after dinner drink and you know four hours later we have a deal and so i learned that very easy very early that in my kind of fast food drive-through mentality from being in the states i was leaving a lot of opportunities on the line because people didn't feel like they had gotten to know me and right so i'm like what what's there gonna go you got a good product i'm a good fit for your product let's let's do the deal and they helped me to understand that in those four hours, and I'm not exaggerating, of just sitting there and talking about business, but also about family and about work and about the world, that they developed a level of comfort with doing business with me that made signing the deal much easier. And so I have brought that mentality back with me and not saying I always have four hour lunches or dinners or whatever, but I've learned to remove that energy from me, from my you know persona, if you will, when I'm in business so that people feel like they're just getting to know me. And of course, as I always say, every time I speak, people want to do business with people they want to do business with. And so they can't decide, make that decision. If you just, you're all about, you know, let's get this transaction. If the relationship is just transactional. So that was a great lesson I learned. No, that makes a lot of sense. And as you said that, I was thinking about the fact that the um, Black Wall Street culture of a lot of places, including over there in Oklahoma and definitely here in North Carolina and a number of other places, that that's actually what we used to do. That used to be a very much of a more family-oriented kind of business aspect. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing a lot of failure even within our minority community, be that the African-American community, the Hispanic community, or a lot of the other kind of minority communities in the terms of business development. And I was wondering, do you think that that's part of the reason is that we've gotten away from that family aspect? Because I think that if you look at the history of like Black Wall Street, and some of the other things that would have been our historical landmark, there was definitely more of a family environment. 100%. You know, one of the things that, that we're looking forward to with my company in 2021 is we're opening, we're developing a new sports facility just, just out of my hometown of Dallas. So it's a place called Forney, Texas. And one of the things that we meet every Monday as well, and one of the things that our team has been talking about is the culture of our facility. And we're talking about this before it ever breaks ground because it's important for that, for the, the energy that my family and I have is absolutely amazing, right? So if you want to be around us, you want to be a part of that. And so every week we talk about, you see this right here, like this, what we're doing right now. And the way this feels just virtually is what people want to be a part of. And so 
uh, bringing that and, and not changing that, not coming to some stiff and, you know, oh, we got to do things the right way, but allowing them to be a part of the magnetism that is really much a part of our of our of our family. And our team is, you know, pretty big, but we're related to everybody probably on our staff. I think there are people who call me auntie who are not legit my, my nieces and nephews, but that's the way we brought people in. We've only brought people in who who subscribe to certain cultural aspects of who we are and values. And it feels like a family. And for that reason, I think people are really gravitating to our project as well. It sounds like it. And how would folks get involved in the company if they were interested in getting involved in the company? And also, what is the next steps with Electra? Like, what is um, Fran need next in her development yeah. of the company? So what are some of the things that you're looking for, both as a staff level, as well as getting the product out? Yeah, I appreciate that question. Uh, not a lot of people ask me that. But if you want to get in contact with me, LinkedIn is going to be the best way. You can also send an email if you're not on LinkedIn or of the other social media platforms. You can you can send an email to support at FranHarris.com. And there are a couple of ways we can potentially work together. And both of these are they go for both my sports facility portfolio, which we'll be building more of those. In fact, North Carolina is on our list, by the way. So we should definitely talk um, is to you can be a potential investor and you can be a local stakeholder. So if you're interested in formally investing, then that's a whole different process than just being a part of our crowdfunding campaigns that we'll have. But to start off, just email us at supportedfranharris.com or hit me up at, on LinkedIn. But Electra is, we are ready to launch. We've got a very big PR thing happening in January that I can't share, but we should, I, when it happens, I'll send you what I can tell you about it, Mark. I will send you a thing and then we can we can head back up on your show. But we got a big something happening in January. And so Electra will be everywhere after that. And then with the facility, we're planning to break ground in the next seven to eight months. So if you're interested in being in real estate and being a part of that part owner or something like that, then just reach out and we'll get you all the materials that you need and we'll start the process going. Sounds great. And what are some of the uh, flavors or what are some of the things that folks can expect from Electra? Because I know that folks like the different flavors. So how would yeah. you describe the flavor of Electra? I unfortunately have not had a chance to get a sip of that drink. I need to get a sip of that drink. So you got to send me a uh, shipment or something so that I can yeah. actually get a flavor yeah. like. Yeah. So you can you can get Electra at idrinkelectra.com. Just like it sounds like idrinkelectra.com. But we started we launched with three flavors, Liddy Lemonade, uh, pa Passion Punch and Oh Yeah Orange. And for me, when I was when I was naming the drinks, I wanted there to be a feeling that the consumer had when they consume our products. So I didn't want to just call it lemonade. I wanted it to be lit. I didn't want to just call it punch. I wanted you to feel passionate about it. And Passion Punch is Really very good. It's one of my favorites. And then I didn't want you to be like, oh, it's just orange. I want you to be like, oh, yeah, like this is orange. And so we will continue to do that with all of our flavors. We just started developing our powders. And we did that for a couple of reasons. Number one, you can take it on the go, right? You can take it on the go, put it in your water and be gone. And also it was less expensive. It's more economical to ship powders than it is to ship a, you know, 16 bottle of water. So and that was so we were D to C direct to consumer. So we were shipping these. Very expensive. Now, when we move to retail, which is in 2021, obviously you can walk into your store and get it. But in the meantime, you'll have the ability to get some that's like this in the bottle and some that uh, starting in February, you will be able to get that in, in sticks and pouches. 
And the international broadcast media is an international platform. We've actually got what used to be the Family Dollar Store as our sponsor, but now it's the IBM TV Dollar Store because they've actually agreed to do that with us and everything. But how can folks actually get it if they are international? Because I know one of our shows is based in Johannesburg. It's actually Alexandria Mays where she does a music cafe. And we've got another show that I believe is out of uh, the New Zealand area and things of that nature. So we definitely have folks that are watching as well as folks that are producing shows from a global standpoint. But I know that even with our dollar store is sometimes they can't necessarily ship overseas because of some of the shipping Mm -hmm. regulations and things Mm -hmm. of that nature. So how are you handling that? And will folks be able to get the drink overseas either now or at some uh, point in the future? Yeah, ultimately, you will be able to get the drink. If you go to idrinkelectra.com and just get on our emailing list, you'll get all the updates. We uh, are very high-touch communication. We do lives. We do a lot of things so that, that people who are supporting us can stay in the loop on it. So just go to idrinkelectra.com, get on the email list, and we'll let you know when we're shipping abroad. Sounds good. So I know a lot of folks will be glad to know that you are planning to ship abroad eventually and everything of that nature. What has been some of the biggest um, roadblocks as you've been doing this? Because I know there's always roadblocks with any entrepreneurship effort. So what has been the biggest roadblocks that you have faced? So walking into a store and seeing the grocery set for a sports drink and seeing the brand that has all this got all this shelf. They got all this shelf. They got all y'all know who I'm talking about. I'm not giving them any more pub on IBTV, but but y'all know who they are. And see and going, wow, like this is this is presence. This is presence on a grocery shelf. But then also understanding that the reason I launched Electra is because it's fitting into a different niche. And that's what that's the lesson for entrepreneurs is don't be intimidated by the fact that somebody else has already done all the all the research for you, because that's the way I see Gatorade and Powerade and Body Armor. It's like, thank you for doing all the research that this is a huge multi-billion dollar category. So now it's my job as an entrepreneur to figure out where I fit in. And that's the lesson for entrepreneurs. If you are going into this lane of construction, well, maybe you need to do Maybe you need to do incubators and and, um, co-working spaces instead of trying to do shopping centers. Well, if you're going into a restaurant, maybe you need to do a takeout taco bar instead of putting up a, right? So when you see competition, it means that the business is healthy and not that you shouldn't go into that business. And I can't tell you, Mark, how many people I've had say, why would you go into sports drinks with XYZ there? And I'm like, clearly because there's an opportunity. Because nobody walks down a dangerous alley without, you know, a piece on them or, you know, without something. Nobody does that if they're a smart entrepreneur. So you do it because you recognize that there are opportunities within the opportunity to do really well. And the other thing that I've noticed about entrepreneurs and just people in general is a lot of times we don't necessarily know our worth and things of that nature. Because I know there's a number of times that folks will, I've got a good friend of mine that is always talking about the fact that he gets tired of the brain drain because he's always getting that brain drain in his life. Folks are always talking about wanting him to give this service or that service, but they don't necessarily want him to have the right kind of like reward financially. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about that as well. And because I do think that that is a concern that folks have because they oftentimes you don't necessarily understand your own worth. Yeah. Great, great example. Recent example is with the lecture. Usually when you start a new consumer products, goods company, the first time, if you do like a test round of your product, a lot of suppliers will actually give you the the raw materials. Like, 
I didn't know that. So meaning when we tested Electra, we were going to do like, I don't know, maybe 10,000 bottles or 5,000 or whatever it was. Instead of paying for the first round of everything that you see on this label, like 90% of the people just gave us the material. And so it's the same thing, but they made it very clear. We're going to give this to you the first round because we want you to try our stuff. But the second round, you're going to have to pay for it. So I went in with it. First of all, I went in with the expectation on the first round to pay for it. That's the first thing. You need to, you need to, if you're out there looking for services, don't expect it to be free. Here I am building what will ultimately be a multi-million, billion dollar company. And I expect it to pay for my first round. So it was a nice surprise when I didn't have to pay for most of that. But I came in with the expectation of going, okay, next round, here's what I'm going to have to pay. So that's one way you can handle it is by helping people understand, okay, I will have a 10 minute conversation with you. And just to see if there's a fit or whatever. And then after that, here's the expectation. If more of us would do that, we would cut down on some of the let me pick your brain stuff that people approach approach us with. I don't get that very much because I make it very clear, depending on what you need, I may or not be, I may or may not be free the first time, but I'm certainly not going to be free after that unless I'm a part of your company and which I do that as well. Sometimes I will work with people as an equity partner in their company. They will pay me part of it and then I will get equity in the company. So that's another thing you can do as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And by the way, I want to bring in another former athlete as well. And uh, that is my good friend, uh, Steve Rao, who used to play in the tennis market, if I remember correctly. It was tennis, right? Correct? Yeah, Please, Steve yeah, and everything. Yeah. So he was actually a professional athlete and is now our mayor pro tem in the town of Morrisville. So I've been talking to Fran Harris, who I met through um, Eric Kelly and the Black Business Expo, but she has got a great um, sports drink product that she has got out there right now called Electra. So she's got this great sports drink and she also comes from you as the world of sports because I know that you had some sports background as well so if you'll share a little bit about your sports background I'm sure that Fran would love to know more about that sports background and what you're doing in the world of innovation because you're an innovation person now well, thank you so much. I got to leave around five o'clock. I've got a, I got another council meeting. But Fran, it's great to meet you. And I'm, I'm a, definitely not a former pro player, but I was a collegiate player and I was a state champion in high school. Had a, I was nationally ranked in tennis. So, and uh, I'm training my son right now, and um, and don't really know how I got into politics. But, um, but what sport were you in? Basketball. Oh, wonderful. Yep. Where did you play? I played in Texas. Okay, fantastic. So, um, you know, I turned 50 this year, but um, I was really happy that uh, I, I took a, a test and uh, my LDL came in, in at 24 and they thought that they thought they made a mistake. They did it again. And uh, I was a knock on wood, but I run about seven, eight miles every other day, swim a mile. I, I'm really physically fit as a former athlete just because I love to take care of myself. So my, my wife got a little scared. She'd been beating me up to go get my checkup and then she was a doctor. And when she got my results, she goes, well, I guess you're living to a hundred, you know? And I was like, no, no, I can't live without you. But, but anyway, I mean, hydration is really important. And, you know, I'm really involved in innovation from a technology perspective, looking at uh, the kinds of innovations that are taking place, um, you know, in terms of just, you know, fitness training, uh, being able to monitor your health through data and analytics, Mm -hmm. uh, even some of the top tennis players in the world, like Rafael Nadal, Djokovic, Federer, uh, all of these players are leveraging top-line training to sustain their careers much longer than we had imagined. So you look at 
you know, Federer turning 39 this year, still coming off of surgery, vying for majors. Uh, you know, it used to be John McEnroe retired. He was 24, and they said that was old. Um, but this is happening in all the sports, right? I mean, uh, Tom Brady yeah. and basketball. Yeah, right? that, that actually raises an interesting question, though, along with um, Steve was bringing up. But how important is the technology aspect to even the way that you're developing your drinks and things of that nature? Because I do know that a lot of times you have to do the research in order to come up with the way that you even created the drink. So how important has that technology aspect yeah. been in the creation? Yeah, we're we're like a Bev Tech. We are. It's a great it's a great question because we're actually bringing in the tech play by developing a hydration app. Obviously, if we are helping you take care of yourself, then there is an embedded feeling like you should drink Electra because Electra is keeping you is keeping you healthy. But we do the hydration. We're going to do a hydration app to help you understand that when you're underhydrated, when you're overhydrated, or whatever. I don't know anybody who's done a sports drink who's done that yet. Um, but that's a part of our, our plan that will come out in 2021 because we're not just a drink. We're, we want to be your partner in fitness and wellness. That sounds okay. like very important to be that partner in fitness and wellness. And how important is it going to be for you to get folks that are um, in that tech space or the, are entrepreneurs? Because like um, Steve said, he is an entrepreneur here in the area in addition to being involved in the, politi- in the politics and everything. So how important has it been to line up both your entrepreneurs, your political folks. I imagine you also had to do a lot of things with your political community there in Texas because you are based outside of Dallas and everything. So how important has those alliances been for you, Fran? Well, when you start talking about being a partner in, in fitness and wellness for people, then you can you can talk to the medical people. Everybody is, you know, conceptually interested in being well, being more fit and being well. So that crosses into what we're doing with pre-diabetic, all kinds of spaces that we can move in now, because again, we're not just a drink, we're your partner. And so whether it's legislature, you know, legislation, um, whether it's school lunches, which is a very big part of my plan for 2021, 22, getting into independent school districts and seeing what they're drinking and eating you know, now and how to put some technology in those places to help kids to monitor what they're doing and how it's affecting and impacting their bodies is a huge part of our business plan. Fantastic. Yeah. I'd like to learn more about that. I mean, that's sure. fam- let me congratulate you for, you know, and I think it's great what Fran has done to build a successful business. So um, one of my best friends, the guy named Andy Andrews, who actually went on to be, he was 50 in the world uh, in tennis and they named the tennis stadium at NC State after him. It's called the Andy Andrews Tennis Stadium. And he played all around the world. He got to about 50 in the world. Got to Wimbledon, U.S. Open, and doubles, singles. Played all four majors. But he's now turned into one of the top developers in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And he actually was going to be the CEO of the USTA. And for personal reasons, had to step down. Uh, and he was on the board. And he, one of the things he tells my constituents, he comes on the radio sometimes, a show I host, is about how you can apply success in athletics to business. And um, he gave my son really great advice one day. And he said, you know, all you need is two weapons in life that you do better than anyone else. And, you know, the three lessons he gave these high school kids, I brought him into a speaker. He said, be prepared um, and have your two weapons and develop those weapons and be better than anything. And if you do that, you can take that same concept. So in tennis, it was a serve and forehand. Mm-hmm. And now in business, it's his mind. It's his perseverance uh, and his ability to be prepared. So athletics is so important. I think team athletics is really important. I regret I didn't really play on a team uh, on a basketball court 
because tennis is more of an individual sport. Mm -hmm. So you do learn how to put things on the line. Um, and so I'm not afraid to lose. Like some people have that fear of loss. Yeah. I'm willing to put it on the line and, and, and lose, knowing that if I lose a tennis match or lose a political election, I can wake up the next morning and move on. Some people, the thought of doing that's very scary. How do you lose and then, you know, pick up? But with the team, you work together. And I think with basketball and football and these sports, right? So I think what you're doing is commendable in terms of giving these kinds of ideas to young kids because athletics yeah. gives you discipline. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, what are some of the lessons that, coming back to one of the points that Steve was making, Fran, what are some of the lessons that you feel that you learned from your experience in the uh, WNBA as well as on the college level that you have brought into the business world? So what are some of the lessons? I know you've talked about some of the lessons you learned at a young age, but what are some of the more um, sports-related lessons that have helped you in the business world? Well, it's funny because what Steve says is what I usually say in a speaking engagement where I will tell people, if you don't like doing things with people and having to rely and do be interdependent, you should probably play an individual sport. And I can't, you know, I can't deny that there have been times in the sport of basketball where I thought, I wish I'd play golf. I wish I'd play tennis because, because everything has to be so interconnected. You know, the pass to me to get my jumper off has to be so perfect and I'm joking, but I'm very serious because you do learn different things. And sometimes business is a very solitary sport. Uh, and, you know, you're doing a lot of the work yourself. But I've learned that even if, you, if you're in business, what you perceive to be by yourself, that you always need a team around you. You need a team of advisors and sponsors and mentors and coaches so that you can have other thoughts <clears throat> and uh, ideas in your head other than your own. And that's been the biggest one is how do you put a great team around you to propel you to your success? And more importantly, how do you contribute? Because contribution is uh, an underestimated part of being an entrepreneur. It's not just everything. What can people do to help me? But how can I contribute to to the greater good in the world as well? Fran, I, I, I now feel foolish. I know who you are. I've seen you play. You're amazing. And excuse my ignorance for not knowing you're the Fran Harris. It shows you what a long day I had. So I owe you an apology. You're no, not at all. You are, you, are, you are an amazing athlete. I've seen you play before, actually. And now I remember. Yeah, so I apologize. I just didn't who recognize some of your mentors and everything, Fran. So who are some of the people that you have been mentored by, both in the business world as well as, I would argue, the sports world? So who are some of the folks that you look at forward to as your mentors? And the other thing that I've asked sometimes to other people on this uh, platform and everything is – do you think that we're doing enough in terms of getting our business and our sports people involved in the world of business? And I would argue also the world of development. I mean, I've got a great deal of respect for LeBron James. I think he's doing some amazing things in Cleveland, but I wondered, are we seeing enough of our athletes doing that? I was just wondering your take on that. So, Fran? Yeah, the first thing, the first thing I would say, um, and Steve can probably attest to this, when you're an athlete in college, you don't recognize and realize the wealth of knowledge and connections that are around you. And I was always meeting people, but I was, I was a rarity. Most of my teammates and most of the athletes in the athletic department were in their cocoon cocoons and with their teammates or whatever. And I was always trying to try to have lunch and meet people who after games. And because I recognize that the people who were watching us play in, at Texas were uh, you know, financial consultants and financial planners and real estate developers. I recognize that because, you know, I'm looking at the roster of donors. And so I think a lot of times when you're in the athletic space or whatever your cocoon is that you don't venture out. So some of my early mentors were people who watched me play basketball, who had I not said, 
you know, when they said, hey, great game, I had not said, would you mind having coming to campus and have lunch with me so I can learn a little bit more about what you do? That gave me, a, you know, a shot out of the gate once I graduated um, college. And I, you know, I always tell athletes when I go to speak. Any moment that lets you just sit back, relax, and enjoy even one second of the day to yourself and taste like pumpkins, that's a moment to look forward to. The McCafe Pumpkin Spice Latte is back. Get a $2 small hotter ice for a limited time or try one of our other freshly brewed espresso drinks from iced caramel macchiatos to caramel frappes to hot mochas to every sweet treat in between. Only at McDonald's. Price and participation may vary. Life gets more magical when you dream. So dream of a Disney cruise filled with magic and wonder. <laughs> Hiya, pal! Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line. And I'm like, stop, think, stop, get out of the dorm, get out of the, you know, the mess hall or the dining hall and go meet people because this four years or whatever it is for you is going to go by really fast and you're going to need those connections and that relationship capital when you leave. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm, who are some of those um, business folks that you are still considering your mentors even now? Like I said, I know you're in Texas. And I'm a big fan of Mark Cuban. Don't know if you've had the pleasure of meeting him or have the pleasure of dealing with him. But who are some of your mentors? And have you had the pleasure of uh, meeting and talking to Mark Cuban? I have, actually. One of my early mentors was the guy who was the first chairman of Dell Computers. And you guys know Dell Computers is a phenomenal company. So here in Austin... And this was a guy who was starting an incubator for small business owners and invited me to be a part of it and just gave me great wisdom about how to handle money, how to handle business and those kinds of things. And, and I didn't know who he was, was I just knew that he you know, had been on the board of Dell. But having that level of, of a professional in your life and then them introducing you to other you know, top board people and entrepreneurs and CEOs is, is really what my life has been about. It's like, okay, people, good people who say, Hey, you should meet this person as well. So lots yeah. of great people. Yeah. One mentor of mine, uh, well, Andy Andrews is one uh, great guy, but is Cynthia Marshall, who's now the CEO of Dallas Mavericks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she's a good friend of mine. She's an amazing woman. She survived breast cancer. She ran the AT&T president of AT&T. And then she was in retirement in Texas. I lost touch with her. And then I ran into her about a year and a half ago at the Raleigh convention center when she was the, one of the keynote speakers at the CEO forum mm-hmm. where I reconnected with John Chambers, former CEO of Cisco, who's a family friend of mine. And so we, we all sort of reconnected, but she works for Mark Cuban. Right. We yeah. gave her a call. And, uh, you know, the toughest critic in my life is either my mother or my wife. And because <laughs> I'm in politics, I think they do it to keep me grounded. But <laughs> I, was at, I was at my nephew's graduation and she was the commencement speaker. Mm. And I said, oh, I know her. And my mother looked at me. She goes, don't you go again, dropping all your names. I can let you know her. <laughs> and the minute she says that, Cynthia Marshall, she has such a charismatic personality. She saw me. And she comes in there and she starts doing like this Ellen DeGeneres dance with me and gives me this bug and kiss. And I had never seen my mother look like that. She was shocked. She goes, oh my God, my son is really, he knows her. <laughs> and it was just so funny. And But she's that kind of a lady. Yeah. She's so spunky and energetic. And we need to bring her on the show, Mark. We, we <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, but Definitely she's working. Do that. Yeah. I know. I mean, amazing lady, though. So resilient. So smart. 
Who has been some of your toughest critics, friends? So who has been some of your toughest critics? Because I know you have to face criticism, and they might be like what Steve was talking about. They might have been from inside your family circle. Yeah, but yeah. Who are your toughest critics, and how do you deal with those criticisms? That's what made me laugh is because I remember I was being interviewed um, one time by the, the, the owner of Black Enterprise, the founder of that was you know Earl Graves, who passed away recently. But uh, I know his family, and I remember Caroline was interviewing me, and we were talking about this very thing, and she was, I was like, oh, I went somewhere, and people were, you know, making a big deal, and she said, what did your family do? And my family was like, get over it, you know, <laughs> just like, just like, get over it, or, or as Steve said, like, I'll say, oh, yeah, no, I had lunch with them, or whatever, and they're like, you didn't have lunch, and I'm like, guys, stop it, like, I legit did, they're like, okay, but I love that, I love that my family is that way, because we know too many guys and gals who, yeah, yeah, we know too many of them where you're seriously taking this, this, this seriously. Like last week, you were eating ramen noodles, literally last week. And, and yes, exactly. Yes. In my life, the funny thing is there is a lot of similarities between me and Forrest Gump because the relationship <laughs> I have with my mother is very similar because I was very sick as a kid. So mm-hmm. I spent the most time with my mother mm-hmm. and it's a different type of relationship, right? Yeah. But my life has been very much about a little bit of luck, you know, how I got into the high school to play tennis, how mm-hmm. I met my wife the first day of college. And it, it finally dawned upon the family that I don't know how I did it, but in my lifetime, I've met three U.S. presidents. Uh, I met Carter when I was a senior at Emory mm-hmm. uh, at, at an event where I bumped into him and worked at the Carter Center. I met Bill Clinton at an event. And then I met Joe Biden a couple of times mm-hmm. and I met Kamala Harris. I happened to run into her in Washington last year at a reception. And of all the people that I bumped into, it was like Forrest Gump. You know, I just <laughs> bumped into Kamala Harris. And she goes, where are you from? And I said, Senator, I'm from North Carolina. And we talked for about five, 10 minutes. And so I had this beautiful selfie with her. Oh, and, right. and it was pre-COVID. And right. I picked that up on Facebook the day after she won, she was named, and every news agency was calling me because they said, "My God, Steve Rao is the only one that has a pre-COVID picture of the Hound Combo with a mask." <laughs> my, my, my wife and mom were so irritated. They go, God, I, how did, you know, my wife was like, how does he do it? And then one we said, and then, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm making No, you're good. Out. That was good. Very good. Fran, yeah. um, what are your thoughts about the direction of the country and everything? I'm going to get a little serious oh, now and everything. Yeah. We do have a new president that's elected. And I'd also love to know your thoughts about Kamala as the uh first woman vice president, because I definitely know that you probably got some thoughts about that. So I'd love to know which, how you feel in the, in the country and which direction we're going in. Well, first of all, I mean, with a name like Harris, that's a good start. The, the last name <laughs> Harris, I got to say that that's that's a great start. So, um, no, I was I was just pleased with how our country came out and let it you know, intentions be known more than anything, just to be candid with you. And um, I started studying the political candidates, at least the, on the Democratic side, you know, pre-COVID and just kind of figure out who are these people? Because you start hearing, you know, who are these people or whatever. And I like what I'm seeing already in terms of the appointments. I love that the appointments are more reflective of the complexion of our country and not just one gender and not just one ethnicity. And so I like what I'm saying right now. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, I mean, I've, I, you know, I, 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 know, I know some of Joe Biden's friends because uh, mm-hmm. I lived in Delaware for a while, but I'm really pleased. I think he's the right man to write the, run the country at this time in our nation's history. He has 
and both Senator and uh, Vice President-elect Harris. I mean, I think they have a good plan. They're taking it very seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think that their plans of healing America, addressing racial systemic bias and racism is good. Addressing the COVID pandemic, top of a priority. Just yesterday, he issued the three-point plan, which is mm-hmm. mandatory masks, uh, getting our kids safely back to school, yeah. and focusing on the economy and um, building back better. And uh, the thing that I like the most about Joe Biden is empathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, there, there's a thing on Oprah Winfrey. Every time I, I see his son, the clips about his son, I just well up with emotion because the thought of losing one of my children mm-hmm. like, wells me up with so much loss. I, I just, maybe as I'm getting older, I feel that pain yeah. inside when I hear someone die. You know, when you're younger, you're like, well, it wasn't yeah. me as you get yeah. older. But his mother, who I don't know if she's still alive, he talks about his mom a lot. She grabbed his hand and she opened up his palm and she said, Joey, no matter how hard bad a situation gets, the harder you look enough in your in your palm, you'll see some good in the situation, right? Mm-hmm. I think that that taught him his whole life to have empathy. And I think people need a president that can feel their pain, look right. them in the eye and say, I understand if you lost a loved one because mm-hmm. I've been there. And I think that's going to go a long way to getting our country back on track. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, so anyway, that's my answer, Mark. I think we're off to a good start. I only thing is, my only fear is I just hope the headline on January 20th, 20th doesn't say Biden elected 46th president. Trump announces re-election. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you, know you, you see the headline. Right. You know, and, and, and I'll, I'll end with this because I think this is serious. I've got to get this in. Because I think it's very serious to understand that our democracy, institutions of democracy have been really weakened in America. Mm-hmm. When a president mm-hmm. loses an election by 7 million votes, mm-hmm. when every court has thrown out his dispute and he still says there was fraud, yep. and 70 million Americans, or hopefully it'll be less, are saying it's true, we often forget that World War I and the rise of Nazism happened when Adolf Hitler and those around him said that Germany didn't lose the war. Mm-hmm. That the reparations were a mistake. That this was a joke. That we're going to point the finger at the Jewish people. It's all their fault. It's all their fault. Yep. And look what happened. Now I don't think it's that bad, but I think Americans have an opportunity to make sure. What one thing that I would call for is to have independent election boards, mm-hmm. separate bodies that only govern elections. So we don't have these elections, and the rest of the world is watching, saying, "Well, America wants to challenge the election because the outcome wasn't what they wanted." Right. So what, what is Nicolas Maduro in Venezuela going to say? What is Putin in Russia going to say? Mm-hmm. Right? What, are these, what is North Korea going to say? They're going to say, look look at America. They're doing the same thing. I mean, right. and I think that's – I'm sorry I went on my time, Mark. But no, you're good. That's what Joe Biden said. You know, when, when he was on with Jake Tapper last week, the thing I liked about it, there was straight talk. He got asked tough questions. There was no banter. There was no, don't you dare ask me that question. He was asked a tough question about Hunter Biden. He asked a tough question about a conflict of interest. But when Jake Tapper said, do you want the president to come to your inauguration? He pulled back and he smiled and he looked at Kamala and then he smiled at the camera. He said, I don't, it's not about me and Kamala Harris or the Democratic Party. It's important for the world to see a president defeated, shake the hand of the new president and wish him well. Mm-hmm. And that's happened since the founding of our country, because if the world doesn't see that, they're going to start questioning whether our institutions of democracy are so strong. And I think that's a really, really, really big deal. And it's it's not talked a lot about, 
But I would just ask that Republicans who are supporting Trump slowly accept this election. Let the country heal. You can have another election in four years. And if they don't do a good job, you can vote them out. Right? That makes a lot of sense. I was glad to see that. uh, I think it was G.K. Butterfield, who's a North Carolina son, got named deputy whip. So that was very good to see that that just recently happened. So I was glad to see that he got that position and a number of the other jobs that uh, Fran was talking about. I've been also impressed with a lot of the folks that are coming into the administration. So I do think that we're heading in the right direction. Fran, I was just wondering, what is your thoughts about the way that the athletes were using their platform in order to address some very important issues? I have my thoughts, and I thought that they did a good job, but I would love to hear your thoughts as them using that platform in order to put out, like, the Black Lives Matter agenda and a number of other agendas. Yeah, unfortunately, this has to be my last because i got to hop on another interview, but uh, I was very impressed with, with the way athletes actually showed up. And and decide to use your voice. It reminded me of uh, Juan Carlos and those guys in the Mexico Olympics when they stood there with their you know their their soul sign up, you know power soul power sign up and and just started to say enough. And so I think it's important because even though not many people had said it before this year, had said the words "shut up and play." That was the tenant. That was the sentiment that is in the country that most people feel like athletes are there to do one thing, and that is to entertain them and for their comfort and for their pleasure. And athletes realize that not only is that not the case, but I'm going to lift my voice and let you know that I have political power and currency and you know let you know what essentially what time it was. So I was very pleased with the way athletes showed up during this pandemic and the social injustices in this country. I definitely agree. And I know you got to bounce off. If you could share with folks uh, how they can reach you, how they can uh, learn more about the drink. I definitely want you to have that opportunity to let folks know once again about Electra. I know that I'm going to go and order my uh, supply so that I could get some Electra drinks shipped over here. But if you'll definitely let folks know how they can reach you and about getting the drink, then I definitely want them to have that opportunity. And of course, um, if you want to give that uh, plug so that folks can see the drink. <laughs> and, 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 I think but you can you can get Electra at idrinkelectra.com. You can reach me on, inter, on uh, LinkedIn. My name, Fran Harris. You'll know this me when you see me. You'll know it's me when you see me. And then if you want to just link up directly, you can send us an email at support at franharris.com. Mark, thank you for having me on. No problem. It was my pleasure to have you on. You were definitely a great guest, and I was glad to have you on. Have to have you come back on in the near future. I know that I definitely want to get you in touch with one of our founders, who is also, like I said earlier, a business leader. So I do want to put you in touch with Kim Calhoun, one of our founders, along with Nick Palveda, and definitely hope to have you come back on a couple of times because I know we were talking about you on the sports show and a number of other things here on the network. So definitely, I consider you to be one of my newer friends after I met you with. Um, Eric, it was kind of the back in the house person when you were having the interviews with Eric, but now you've seen my face and hopefully glad to have you be connected to me and everything in yeah. a lot of different ways. So help to have now you can, back. And now I can tell my mom I spoke to Michelle Kwan and Fran Harrison. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to take a picture. She's not good. Thanks, guys. Pleasure. All right, so that was uh, Fran who's bounced off and everything. I think she's uh, got to go to another meeting. But that drink she's got sounds like it's very amazing. I learned about it through the, uh, um, like I said, the Black Business Expo and a number of other things that I've heard about. But it was great having her on here and to talk about what she's got going on in the world of sports, in the world of that uh, sports drink. So she's doing some amazing things. And I was definitely glad to be able to get her on the dinner party. 
and all of that. I actually think that another one of your friends might be appearing as well because I've got a text that Humera said she might come in and talk a little bit about filming and what's going on in the film world. But if she does, I think you said you've got to bounce off around after a while as well. So I think she said she could come in around six or something like that. But definitely a great conversation. I think that folks learned a lot and definitely had some amazing knowledge about what she's doing and everything. So what are some of the things going on in innovation and everything? I'm actually trying to get the main computer up because I'm on the smaller computer today, but I'm trying to get the main one up and everything. But while I'm doing that, definitely share with us a little bit about what's happening in innovation. I'll show you a couple of thoughts. I got to jump into it. I got to take care of something for go to a city council board, go to a board meeting. I serve on a board, but, um, you know, a couple of thoughts, uh, Mark, and I'd love to come back next week. I'm going to be sending you a note to come on my show next week as well. But, um, you know, a couple of thoughts. I think that, um, one thing I've been doing on IBM TV show world edition is talking about what's the most underreported story. That's not a question people are used to. So they go, Oh my gosh. And it makes you think. And one unreported story that I think is going on today is, the good news is the vaccines are rolling out right. and eventually we're going to get through COVID, but what's the new normal going to look like? Right. And, you know, I think that's one, that's where innovation plays a big role. So I think you've seen an acceleration in the digital digitization of what's happened in the world. So more meetings happening on zoom, more me- meetings happening on WebEx or at Microsoft teams, people being able to produce and re- yield good results and, and companies and life will go on. Uh, that also has an impact on the societal impact, right. seeing each other, being able to shake hands, going to holiday parties. Uh, you, know, we're, you're, you know, even though we're in business development sales, that's still considered work, you know, working mm-hmm. a four or five hour day of parties where you're meeting everybody. And now that's been sort of erased. So there's a societal impact, you know, on that. But in terms of innovation, I think the other thing we have to think about is, and this is for anyone around the world that listens to IBM, watches IBM TV is the new jobs, right? right? I mean, we're going to be automating a lot of jobs away. Even after COVID, that's going to continue to occur. I think you're going to see new jobs in artificial intelligence, in machine mm-hmm. learning, uh, in robots that will be, offer, that'll, that'll be offered up by, on the cloud. So like if a robot like Alec Rocks, I was watching him on YouTube. He wrote the book, New Industries of the Future. He's from my home state of West Virginia. He said, like, you know, if C-3PO came in, let's say we were in the station together and they interrupted us, that robot would be operating in the cloud somewhere. So they could just stop it and say, order the command, leave the room. So that's going to reduce the expense. And there's going to be a lot of new industries and new jobs created. Uh, And I think we can leverage innovation to solve problems all around the world, whether it's sustainability, renewable energy, climate change, uh, which are all going to create thousands and thousands of new jobs or producing more food because you know what we also don't realize is that after this pandemic 150 million more will go into poverty so you know and i'll end with this thought which we often don't think about you know what america did right was handle the uh economy we Mm -hmm. we were terrible with the pandemic but we were able to pop trillions of dollars into our economy so we've only contracted at about 3.5 percent so the irony is we're right behind those Asian countries that did very well with the pandemic. Now, now the dilemma is, is Biden going to be able to work with a Democratic Congress or even a Republican Congress? The fact that they're having to wait so long to put money in the hands of Americans is very alarming to me, Mark. I mean, I don't know whether they see the world that you and I see, 
But there are people out there really struggling. They don't know where they're going to live because they're getting evicted from their homes, right? right? They don't know where they're going to go work because they lost their jobs. They don't have money coming in from the federal government for unemployment. And I understand Senator Manchin saying that it's a relief bill, not a stimulus bill. But anyway, but to, to go back to your answer, this is what's happening in innovation, right? And I think it's exciting because eventually the jobs of the future could be created in some other part of the world if we don't get our act together in America to invest in our infrastructure, to invest in our immigration system, to make sure that we are racially healing, and that we have a foreign policy that's collaborative. So, you know, when I read a president saying, I want to do an executive order so I can accelerate the vaccine only in the U.S., to me, I read that as an American, and I say that's very selfish. Yeah. Because as we rise, it lifts up the rest of the world. Lifts up right? the rest of the world. You want, you want India, India had 10 million cases. Uh, Germany is suffering. Europe is suffering. There are people dying from COVID all over. And the, fi- the, you know, the from, from a vaccine, this is a great way to end my commentary, mm-hmm. from a vaccine perspective, unbelievable work that's been done to accelerate this vaccine in such a short period of time. Not, not in 100 years has our scientific community and our pharmaceutical industry come together to offer two vaccines, right, that are going to kill this virus. And and it happened through global global partnerships. Right? Yeah, those global partnerships are very yeah. important. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, do you so think that we will actually see, and I know you got to get to your meeting, but do you think that we'll actually see any sort of uh, package before the end of the year? I mean, we're already close to three weeks before the end of the year. And I'm not hearing any reports that are making me comfortable that there's going to be any sort of financial relief in people's pockets before the end of the year or before a new Biden administration comes into office. But what are your thoughts? Do you think that we will actually see a uh, any sort of uh, package that will be in our pockets um, in the next, uh, say, next three weeks or anything before the end, uh, before we end 2020? I watched Senator, you know, I'm always coming back to West Virginia. I'm such a proud man. But Senator Manchin, whom I know, I mean, you know, he was on Meet the Press this Sunday. He was on CNN the other night. He's working with the gang of eight, the, the eight. They call themselves the problem solvers. So it's some Republicans and Democrats. And I do think they are making progress to pull off the $900 billion by the end of the year, which wouldn't put hands money in the hands of Americans from a stimulus check. But what it would do is it would do a moratorium on evictions. Uh, they would provide about 160 billion uh, to um, to uh, cities and towns across America. It would uh, actually uh, help with maybe some extended resources for small businesses, whether it's paycheck protection or just grants and loans. And I think that would keep the economy, uh, you know, from you know, at least staying uh, uh, where it is until Biden can come in and ask for more stimulus money, right. which is where you need to get. Federal. So that's one thing I want people to understand is the relief bill does not put stimulus hands in the uh, stimulus checks in the hands of Americans. It's not um, going to be doing really anything uh, to extend unemployment. Uh, and I think you need those two things right. to get you know, people out of a finance. I mean, I knew a person the other day that blew out two tires mm-hmm. and they didn't have the money to pay for it. Right. Okay. If you can't pay for two tires, uh, how are you going to pay if you're in a car accident and you get a $5,000 health care bill? 
No, that's very but, true. Yeah, those know, are going to be some very difficult things that folks are facing. Are you know, somebody that's definitely going through some automobile problems themselves and everything. So you're right. It's very much these kind of things that are the day-to-day kind of things that folks are having a hard time finding, even sometimes finding enough uh, food for their own uh, refrigerators or cabinets or things along that line. So, yeah. Childhood is wanting a variety of different baked sweets and someone telling you no. Adulthood is wanting a variety of different baked sweets and being able to go right to Mickey D's to get every single one you want. <laughs> Whenever you want. Get the new glazed pull-apart donut and a 99 cents any sized iced coffee with pumpkin spice flavor. Sweet. Prices and participation may vary. Limited time only. Iced coffee promo available until 11 a.m. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life gets more magical when you dream. So dream of a Disney cruise filled with magic and wonder. <laughs> Hiya, pal! Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line. I definitely think that those kind of immediate needs are out there, but when they're coming, who has any idea? Because it seems like they keep dragging their feet. And like I said, I'm hoping that the new administration will be able to uh, have folks uh, share uh a little bit more of the wealth of the nation around so that everybody gets some relief. Cause right now I feel that too many of the 1% are getting uh, a lot of uh, the support and enough of the poor folks are not getting it, but that's just my opinion. But what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I think we have to redistribute wealth in America. We, we, you know, economies do better when you have a growing middle class. Right. So, you know, think about India. When my parents came from India in 1968, the middle class was very small. India's wealth was really distributed uh, into just the small hands of a few people who had the resources. But today, the middle class, there's still a lot of poverty in India. But yep. there's a growing middle class of about 400 million, which wow. is more than the size of America. Now, that might have changed after COVID. But even in America, under Bill Clinton's economic plan, we saw an expansion for middle class America. After World War II, we saw the large expansion where middle class America grew. So from an economist perspective, from an economics view, macro view, we can't make it if the wealth is only being shared by the top. And right. your trickle-down economics, I've, I've watched it and studied it. It doesn't work. Ronald Reagan made it sound great because he was such a great communicator. He was a radio guy. He was a TV guy yeah. like us. But right. I don't think trickle-down economics works. So we have to figure out how do we reinvest the wealth into communities How do we create a culture that lifts people up so that the American dream is there for everybody, right? Uh, There's so many communities where you live in Durham and South Raleigh, even in our own state of North Carolina, where people just aren't given the same opportunities. And I think this is a real problem and we need to to fix it. But I think Joe Biden's Build Back Better plan has a strategy to get us there. And I think it's it's a matter of investing and and resources, right? I definitely agree with you on that. The plan definitely seems to be one that we can get behind to encourage us to definitely get the nation back on the right track and all of that. I know, as I was mentioning to Fran earlier, that I saw an article where there was actually a shortage of Christmas trees around this area where we live in and everything. And I was actually reported in the paper earlier today. So you're actually talking about stories that folks aren't necessarily hearing about, but it was one that was reported here in our local papers, but whether it was reported in other parts of the world, I have no idea and whether it's impacting other parts, but yeah, they're saying that some of our major folks like Trosa um, and a number of others are not having enough Christmas trees. And there's oftentimes a, 
a lack of Christmas trees as you get closer to Christmas, but this is earlier than it usually would be expected. And in some places, there are already no Christmas trees in the lots, and they're not expected to get any more in the near future. So you know, they were saying that that was one of the things that was going on in 2020 that was one of those things that folks weren't expected to be happening this early. So I know I live in an apartment, so I don't have a Christmas tree. Mom's got one in her house at Rocky Mountain. We decided not to put it up after Thanksgiving like we usually do because we've got this uh, dog that she's got. So she's got a dog and my brother's got a dog. It's actually their brothers and everything, but we decided not to put it up because we, we didn't want the dog knocking it down. So my brother may go up there later on and it may get put up very shortly. But the last time I checked, it still was not up and everything. But do you have a Christmas tree yet? Or are you concerned uh, we about supposed to, No, we, were, we have one upstairs. We we're going to, it's a small, it's a, you know, indoor tree. So we're going to put it up this weekend. We were supposed to put it up last weekend, but we're going to put it up. I'm sorry I can't stay with you until seven. I had an unexpected meeting come up, but I hope I've answered your questions. But I think that, uh, you know, innovation is important. And what we're challenging everyone on our show, World Edition, is to, um, if they have ideas, send them to IBM TV. Um, and I think, you know, you, you know, that's the questions we need to be asking ourselves. You know, how, what is the future of work going to be like? Are people going to go back, right? Yeah. Are the cities going to be back to what they were? Am I going to be able to go to Deepak and watch a Broadway show? Am I going to go watch the Durham Bulls? Am I going to be able to hang out? I think eventually the answer is yes. Cities have always bounced back. After the plague, the you know Florence Renaissance, after the fires in Chicago, we had sky, skyscrapers. So I, I don't believe in this doom and gloom thing. Cities are done. Everyone's going to move. Slowly we'll get back. Um, the, the new jobs. And then also, how will we deal with future pandemics? I mean, you know, what's amazing is our hospitals are getting flooded now. They're going to have to uh, do away with elective procedures soon. We're expecting 400,000 people in America to die. I think sometime we should do a show just on what went wrong. Right. How did we get here? How did, how, I mean, think about it, Mark. By the end of January, they're expecting 400,000 Americans to be dead from this pandemic. They're expecting, I knew we were looking at 300,000. You said they're expecting 400, how many? 400,000. Wow. Yeah. This is that, uh, frightening. That is very frightening. That is incredibly frightening. Yeah. So wow. we're going to get through it, but I think we need to take lessons of, you know, I don't think we did anything right. We, we weren't uh, contact tracing. We weren't uh, um, getting the results back and quarantining. And uh, you've got to do that. So, like, Taiwan had 25 million cases and seven deaths. Mm. And the United States has, you know, 400,000 deaths. I just think that we need to learn on where we made these mistakes so that if this ever happens again, God God forbid, but I think pandemics are going to be more common. How can we be prepared to have the supplies, the testing, and the closing and quarantine procedures so that hundreds of thousands of Americans don't die? I mean, you know, Pearl Harbor was on Monday, Pearl Harbor Day. More people died from COVID-19 than, uh, than Pearl Harbor, 9-11, and every major war our nation has ever fought. The wow. Korean War and World War II. 400,000 Americans dead. That number is just, you know, it's not 400,000 yet, but just think about how much death that is. Yeah, that's, right? I mean, and once you get to another 100,000, you're talking half a million people. So that's all just an incredible amount of folks and everything. And like I said, you also have to think about the impact that that's got, not just on those that passed, because definitely, you know, it definitely impacted them directly. They're no longer here on the planet and everything, but just also the impact on our 
um, social structures, on the families, on a number of things along that line. Because, you know, for every uh, death that's out there, several people are infected or impacted by the loss of that loved one. And sometimes these are folks that are not necessarily in the uh, greater age spectrum where you expect that to happen. So a lot of times we talk about folks that die at a young age, and these are impacting all kinds of ages, all kinds of folks of all kinds of um, statuses and things of that nature. So definitely, you know, it's got to think about the way that it's impacting the entirety of our society. And that's just here in the United States. You haven't even given the figures for the nation, so it's for the world. I mean, that's just here in the United States, which is one nation and everything. But, you know, there are several countries around the world. So just think about the millions, because, I mean, if we're already at 400,000 by the end of the year is what you're saying, there's other numbers that you're hearing, and that definitely could spill over into half a million in the early part of next year. And we haven't even looked at the rest of the globe where there are hundreds of countries around. So if you times that, times the countries, and yes, some countries are doing better than others, but still, that's a whole lot of devastation that we've already experienced in this pandemic and it's still going on. And like I said, the vaccine, I hope will give people relief. I do know that there are a number of folks that are concerned about the vaccine because they want to make sure that it was properly vetted, properly tested. And then there are just people that are uh, anti-vaxxers that will never be supporters of vaccination. But there are also people that have had a bad history with vaccinations in the past. Like I know that that's a concern within the African-American community and other communities because of some of the things that happened in the past with Tuskegee and a number of other things that have been out there. So I do know that that's a concern of a lot of folks. So definitely, I think that that's something that I'm hoping that everything has been properly tested and vetted and that we're doing it in the uh, correct way and that we're able to uh, flatten the curve as all the politicians are saying. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Mark, I'll be back next week. We're going to be coming on Radio Merchy. Uh, we look forward to having you. I'll be sending you some information on that. And okay. I can't believe I'm a member of the IBM TV team officially, right? Hosting the yeah, show. Yeah, you are definitely official and member. And before you leave, I just want you to say hello to another brother that is popping in who is actually from Africa. And he is a rapper out of Africa. So he's doing some serious rap music out of Africa and things of that nature. Yeah, so yeah, I love, definitely I looking love forward to hearing the conversation. I know you got to go to your meeting. Where in Africa are you from, Nizzy? Hi, um, I'm from South Africa. Okay, good. I'm very close to Nigeria. I got named as a member of the Igbo tribe by the Nigerian embassy, and we have a very strong, close relationship. So I want to go to Africa. It's the future of the world. Over a billion uh, (laughs) dollars of trade will be happening there. And it's talk about an underreported story. We don't talk about Africa enough. And I'd be very interested in what President Biden is going to be doing with Africa in his presidency, but it's going to be the largest growing economy in the world. And uh, I think we got to make some investments there, but I got to run. Thank you so much, folks. Be safe. And um, I'm going to go do the work of the people now. Uh, Do that. Appreciate you, Steve. Definitely appreciate you being on and everything. And I'll get Nizzy on. Nizzy, I was glad you were able to get on and uh, share a little bit about what's going on. A lot of folks don't even know that there is an active hip hop community out there in uh South Africa. I know that one of our other shows that we have is a young lady who I think you probably know because she was definitely honored by a number of people around the world and everything. But one of the shows that we hear here on the show is Alexandria May, and she does Alexandria May's Music Cafe. But I know that she was very much involved in some of y'all's national contests, and some people consider her to be like the Taylor Swift of 
South Africa and things of that nature. But yeah. definitely I was wondering if you could share with our folks a little bit about the hip hop industry in South Africa. Cause like I said, I found you through the wonders of social media and definitely was impressed with what I heard. And I was definitely checking out the music and was definitely enjoying what you are doing and everything. And I'm hoping to bring up some, I'm actually getting my uh, better computer back up and running. I had to go to the backup computer, but definitely if you would share a little bit about your music and then I hopefully get a chance to bring up some of your music and have folks learn more about what you've got going on. Oh, you're on mute. Nizzy, you're on mute. Can you hear me? Yep. Can you good. hear me? Yeah, I hear you now. All right. All right. Okay. No, thank you very much. Um, it's an honor to be on your show. And, um, I'll, I'll, you know, the, the music industry in South Africa. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row. Proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. Africa, I don't know how it is that side in America or wherever it is in the world, but this side... Uh, it's it's more of a a sport, you know, like like how Vikings or Spartans would have a sport. So um, you have some underground rappers which make it more of a one-on-one -on -one type of um, hip hop type of. It has an old school feel to it, and you know um, we also have like more on the commercial side of things. Whereas if you're not from a recognized label then it makes it harder for you to be um even mentioned in any breath on a high commercial radio or tv or whatever the case might be um whereas right now i just signed with amg sony um amg is the attack media group it is based in canada and um you know it's 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 a label owned by Mark Berry, who is a 36 times platinum and gold award winning uh, producer. And further than that, you know, um, right here, we just doing what we do for the love of the art, you know, and you, you basically need a whole lot of support that comes into it, especially if you go into split yourself between family and music. You know, it makes it hard for one. But, you know, with the right people behind you, supporting you 100%, and, you know, with your whole team backing you up, it makes it much more easier for you to penetra penetrate through certain aspects and markets. And, you know, it's, it's a tough sport, but one works at it, and you work at it with the focused mindset, and you keep going. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Now, who are some of the folks in the hip hop world, whether they're American or whether they're um, English or whatever, that have inspired you? Like, who are some of the folks that you would say you modeled your own career after? And at what point did you discover the love of hip hop? All right. I'm going to start with um, Jay-Z, as well as um, Lil Wayne, 50 Cent. Um, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of artists that I grew up into. But I'm from an era where, yeah, it was mainly 
50 Cent that was up and like he was blowing it around that time. So I'm from that era. I think it was around um, about eight years old when I started writing lyrics. But I was like six years old when I started performing other people's tracks. Um, and that's when I basically fell in love with um, doing music. So at this current point, I mean, everything that I even do is more memorized. It's, 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 I don't write lyrics. It's memorized. It's what I've been through. So it makes it easier for me to put in my feelings towards songs. So, and I found a lot of inspiration from that came from artists such as Jay-Z and Lil Wayne who just stepped into the studio and then they just spit their mind out. So, yeah. Sounds good. And how did you uh, first uh, discover hip hop? Because like I said, I know that there's also a very active um, African music culture there, but how did you first discover hip hop and what was it about hip hop that appealed to you? All right. Um, I, I I have a big brother, you know, but you would think he's my little brother. You know, because I grew up a bit bigger than him. And he used to bring all these mixtapes and all of that, buy mixtapes. You know, he would spend all these lunch monies um, investing in these. And I, I was I was very young then, so I didn't know what it is. And when he started playing these songs and started jamming to them, I, I felt then, actually, I'm getting inspired by this. And let alone with my uncle as well. Um, he also had this thing of like just having a whole lot of mixtapes that are hip hop related from your DMX to Busta Rhymes. And I, I fell in love with the content then. And I've, I, I've pushed and loved the music since then. So those two people opened up panels around that. Now, was there a particular style of hip-hop that you love? Because like I said, I know that sometimes people like more of the West Coast flavor. Sometimes people like more of the East Coast flavor. Of course, there's the Dirty South sound. So there are different kinds of sounds that come from America. Was there a particular sound that you liked out of American hip-hop? Or did you just like the entire American hip-hop spectrum? I, I, I like the entire hip-hop spectrum. For me, it's it's it's, I mean... I can say it like this. At this time and point as well in my life, I look at music as what feels good. So it, it's, it's, it's a similar type of behavioral that I had back then. Whereas if it's good, I will play it. If it's not, I won't play it. So right now, even now with like the different genres from pop to rock, you name it, you know, all the way to Beethoven, um, you know, all of that. So I, I just listen to good music. Sounds good. Now, how did you discover the whole uh, Canadian label that you're now signed with? Because like I said, a lot of times folks are finding that the global community is a smaller community. So you can hook up with folks that might be in like Canada to South Africa or um, Europe to America. But how did you actually connect with these folks from Canada? All right. Um, okay. So I had this friend, um, JM, who basically around 2014, he gave me a list of like major labels and its contacts that he's been working on. So um, I, I went down that list, I was reading it, and then I tried to connect with the first person, which was Mark. And 
he actually reached out and uh, I didn't even know who he was. And then when I did my research around him, I was blown. I was, I was like, wow. And that was in 2014 of which we wanted to do something, but um, you know, a few things limited a person and I was still a bit young then. So I didn't know what it, it, it was that I wanted to give myself into or anything like that. Left the connection die. And uh, a few years later, last year, um, no, earlier this year, uh, communication started establishing again um, through my manager, D3, who reached out to him. And, you know, we came down to a conclusion, okay, this is what, this is what's going to happen. So let's take the knees and over brand and see what we can do, even though you guys are all the way that side. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, now, I've got a, one of your songs up, so I'm going to put that up and let folks check it out. But tell folks a little bit about uh, Pursuit of Happiness, because that's one of them that your folks sent me, and I'm definitely going to let folks check out the YouTube video of that one. So tell folks a little bit about Pursuit of Happiness and what that's all about. All right. Pursuit of Happiness, um, it's, it's, it's a song dedicated to where I'm from originally, and it's, it's a very old song. <laughs> um, it, it basically talks about the struggle of um, the neighborhood that we're from and what people wish life could be. But at the same time, we're all drowning in, you know, um, whether it be drinking, whether it be um, drug or whatever the case might be and people are suffering from these type of things and that they don't realize the bigger picture so i am on my own pursuit of happiness to find whatever happiness means to me so that's what it comes down to sounds great so we're gonna let folks check that out so we're gonna bring that up onto the screen and let folks uh check it out as i bring it up full screen and all of that. So definitely give me a minute. We're going to have folks check out a little bit of Pursuit of Happiness and what it's all about. So, And then I might ask you one of your other songs as well and seeing if folks want to check that one out as well. So definitely going to bring it up. Get to my 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 get to my
deserve a reward. We can't all be morning people, but we can all get McDonald's for breakfast. Right now, mix and match a chicken McGriddles or a McChicken biscuit for just three bucks. Order ahead on the Mickey D's app. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Mobile order and pay at participating McDonald's. Life gets more magical when you dream. So dream of a Disney cruise filled with magic and wonder. <laughs> Hiya, pal! Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line. Bring myself back there. Right. Oh, there, there we go. There we go. There we go. Everything, right. but that was some rocking music there. Let me turn that off. <laughs> All right. So everything was there. There was definitely some rocking sounds. I was really enjoying those lyrics and everything. So definitely, I think folks will enjoy that. What are some of your favorite uh, new releases that you've got at everything? And uh, which way do you think that your music is going? Because like you said, that was one of your older numbers. But if you'll share with uh, our audience a little bit about how the sounds are going and what's different from that sound versus the new sound that you've got now. All right. So um, throughout this year, I developed myself as being more melodic. And um, my, my songs now are more melodic based and they, they have much more of a rhythm that actually is more new school. All right. So whereas then it was more just rapping, rapping, rapping. Whereas now you, you want to you know, create melodies with your voice so it intunes to a, a beat as part of the instrument. And that is what I basically worked hard on 
I think for a period of six months, it was just hitting the studio until I found myself. So our latest track is called Fire Emoji, and it is released under AMG and Sony um, as well. And you know what? It's 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 got its plays out there, and we currently busy with getting it aired on TV this side um, nationally. So we just have like a small. Um, well, we didn't super launch it, but we had a big launch for it. But it's more for, you know, the day one supporters and up until get it running and up and going on TV, then it's, it, it will then be out there. You know, we'll be pushing it much more. But the song is up on your uh TikTok playlists and such things. It's on Spotify as well. It's called Fire Emoji. I think you have the link right there. I'm going to check that out and see if I can't bring that one up as well. So I do think that I've got that one in addition from your people. So I'm going to try to bring that one up, but definitely share with uh, folks a little bit more about um, how is the music business going there in South Africa? I know you're talking about the hip hop industry, but how is the overall music industry going? Cause you know, everybody's trying to find gigs. I know I've got a friend of mine who is a funk musician here in the States. He's actually here in the same town that I'm in Durham, North Carolina. And he's oftentimes talking about the fact that we're not seeing enough uh, places to play. So definitely I would love to hear more of your thoughts as to how we're doing in regards to uh, getting out and performing. And are you able to even get out and do any performances or are y'all still under a tight lockdown there in your part of South Africa? And which part are you in? Because I can't remember. I know that there's Pretoria, there's Johannesburg. And I was trying to remember which part of the South African nation you are in. All right. Um, well, uh, firstly, it's 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 a bit tough for other areas um going to get bookings for gigs it's been hard for a lot of musicians and a lot of musicians as well um, in terms of that have suffered enormously but in terms of um our lockdown regulations where i am it is not that um it's it's not that strict because we we're in a place where the the virus hasn't really like you know um, taken over, so uh, there are gigs that are happening, um, and I am from Northwest, that is in Clackstock. It's like two hours away from Joburg. Okay, yes. cool. And I did bring up uh, fire emojis. So I'm gonna let folks check out a little bit of, of that as well. So if you hold on a second, we're gonna bring that one up as well, because this is a more modern version of what you're doing. So we're gonna let folks check out what this is all about as well. So like I said, I'm gonna get that going, bring up everything, bring up the uh, big screen, and we'll get that one going. So let me hit play, K. Just lift off. Fire emoji. Fire emoji. 
I'ma keep it flaming till my cough. And you know that we do this right here way often. You should know that I'm a problem. But a boss like that nigga Shot the probably thought I'm a cop. Cause a nigga good and a cop. I feel like Tony Montana. Running around with Anna Montana. Still in the clues on spammers. Y'all niggas blues like China. Don't follow the rules off camera. Don't get your whole crew empty hammer. Every life you can ban it. We'll find your baby mama and you stay. Get a picky bit played by Tula. Gain his plane to the Tula. Got a rubber bank in a Mandula. Chop on the heads like Tuna. It is boys' hugs. I mean, they sensitive thugs. I'm from the Pew Pew squad. Trust me, you don't wanna get dust. Fire emoji. Fire emoji. I'm having conversation with people in Canada and in Texas. Me and you, different access. And we don't pay the same taxes. We don't aim at the same hope. I shake niggas, you get sure. Even if we talk punchlines, I uppercut and I bring hooks. Everywhere we go, everything all over. Daddy, how we go? Tell me my niggas get into the biggest. You don't want to see us get in the way. They been on the nose, they got nothing to lose, and they ain't got no time to get into me. Niggas have fun for the end of the day. Oh yeah. So what advice would you give to folks trying to break into the music business? By the way, I was digging that song and everything, so that was a nice note and everything. But folks trying to break into the music business, whether that's there in South um, South Africa, whether that's here in the States, what kind of advice would you give to folks trying to break into the music industry? Um, firstly, thank you for liking the track. <laughs> Secondly, I would say um, be out there. You You just need to be out there. Uh, make every second count, connect with the right people. Sometimes the right people could not be uh, at that time and point the right people for you, but just keep pushing, do what you have to do. And if you your talent speaks for itself, you will get at a point where you will find the right people suited for you at that time. I think it's all about timing at the end of it all. I think it's about also building a correct team behind you. I think it's about finding that grasp 
that, you know, this is who I am as an artist and this is how I stay true to myself. That way it makes you relevant. Stay with the times. Um, always keep on uh, listening to your music so you can perfect yourself. Um, basically, just just keep going for it. Keep going for it. Don't stop. And that is my advice. <laughs> you know, it like a lot of good sense and everything. I know here they've been complaining that we don't get enough of the art in the school system and things of that nature. Do you feel that y'all get enough support of the art in both your school systems as well as from your government? Because I know that here we've had cutbacks in that and we don't necessarily get as much support as we would like to see. But how do you feel that it is from your standpoint where you are in South Africa? All right. Um, on the school system, we don't get enough of that art form. And if, if you are a person and you're trying to actually create that or bring that in the community, you know, it's like everything else just guns you down. Um, so we don't get that in that aspect. But as far as, you know, like right now, it's been very hard for musicians and like I never went that route, but I heard the government was paying musicians who were, you know, things were running really, really low. But yeah. I could say there is government support. And with how our act, uh, rather how our government governing laws when it comes to television and radio, that helps a lot of artists a whole lot. Sounds good. I know here that a lot of our radio is controlled by three or four major entities, whether that's Clear Channel, whether that's Radio One, whether that's a number of other ones like that. And even in the concerts, Live Nation is in control of a lot of things along those lines. Is it the same thing there in South Africa? Is there like a certain major agencies that are in control of everything or are y'all more diverse and have a lot more types of organizations and agencies? Or is it like three or four that are the main controller organizations? <laughs> Politics are everywhere, <laughs> but um, as far as anything else, um, it, it comes down to what I was saying. Keep pushing. If it means you have to do your own show, you know, nobody stops you from doing that. Um, as far as uh, big shows, big events, they, 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 it's more like this. It's, it's, it's a diverse state here, you know, where if you can grow it, you can grow it. You know, so there is no uh, anybody scrutinizing anybody because they don't want their brand to grow or anything like that. Well, that's good. At least you're having more diversity and things along that line. Because I know sometimes, as I said, we don't get enough of that. Um, do you think that uh, hip hop is getting the kind of respect that it needs in South Africa and around even the African continent as a whole? Or do you think that it's something that is uh, being uh, not getting the same respect as, say, your rock or your singer-songwriter or some of the other musical styles, including even some of the music styles that were created there out of South Africa? Do you think that hip-hop gets the kind of respect even among the youth there that you would like to see? Hip-hop has now gone past the point of um, respect. It's like now everybody knows that around here you know it's 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 formed the dimension of its own and it's it's on a league of its own as opposed to other genres and people know that people actually know that um the majority 
uh, feeds off on the hip hop music now. So hip hop, like we the new rock stars, basically. So it's 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 a it's a good time to be in it in South Africa because everyone wants to do it, but not really everyone is doing it. But a lot of people are are, are trying to do it. So yes. yes. And what would be your dream uh, gig if you had a dream gig in terms of hip hop, whether that's here in the States or whether that's there in uh, South Africa or anywhere in the globe? What would be like your dream opportunity if you were able to have your ideal opportunity to perform somewhere or and who would be your dream person to perform with? Um, I mean, I'm even getting goosebumps thinking about that. <laughs> but if if I if I shared the stage with the likes of, um, you know what, a handful of people, uh, I could say. If I could perform on stage with Jay Z or Lil Wayne or um, Fifty Cent, that for me would be the ideal type of setup, um, as well as Kanye West. Um, you know, those are people that influence a whole lot of my art. And it doesn't matter where it is in the world. It doesn't matter how many people are there. It could be one person, as long as they love the music. That's what one appreciates. So oh, I, yeah, I'm that type. I would rather perform for two people that actually loves what I'm doing than to perform like for millions that don't even know what I'm talking about or whatsoever they're not there for the music but at the same time i do have a business mindset whereas if it's a million bring them <laughs> you know so those are two things that um you always have to level with as an artist but you need to remember no you went and hit mute i think so i didn't hear that last thing you said uh, and that's the Oh, oh, sorry. I'm saying it's one of the things that you stand in in between as an artist, but you have to put yourself in a business aspect and remember you have to bring food at the end of the day. Oh, no doubt about that. It's definitely about survival with music and everything. I've actually, we actually have a pretty rich uh, hip hop scene here in North Carolina. A lot of folks, even globally, have heard of the name Ninth Wonder. So he actually teaches over at North Carolina Central University and is definitely connected. So I know some folks that are definitely knowing him, and I've had the pleasure of doing some events with him as well. And then we've got uh, Big Daddy Kane actually lives here in the North Carolina area. And then a good friend of mine is actually sitting on talking about politics. He's actually sitting on the city council, but he's a well-known um, hip-hop artist. His name is uh, Pierce Freelon. So Pierce Freelon has done a number of things and everything. So he's very well-known, and he's actually sitting on our Durham city council. So he's actually involved in our local politics, but also he's very much bringing the aspect of hip-hop and hip-hop education. Because I find that a lot of times you hip-hop artists are also very much using the art form as a form to help our young people learn about education. So are you using any kind of hip-hop as an education platform to help folks learn about like math or science or other things? Or how are you doing that in your area? Are you even developing those kind of things? All right. My, my area where I'm from, it's, I don't live there anymore, but I go there a lot. But when I go there, like this coming Saturday, um, that's if I do. Uh, but the aspect that one approaches is more of telling kids why they actually should stay in school. Because 
um, it's it's a very rough and tough neighborhood where you 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 either get out there through a casket or you get out at, in the back of a police vehicle. So um, th there's not a lot of people that actually can say I'm from there and look where I am now. So it's mainly just keeping that mindset. Stay in school. It is important, you know. So um, as far as the names you've been mentioning. Uh, th those are people that I also grew up through my uncles listening to mixtape sessions. Um, I've seen Ninth Wonder actually when he was this side in South Africa with mm -hmm. Rhapsody. I yeah. I feel I think that was um, they they were at ritual media stores um, because I, I through a friend the guys that own that which is back to the city um the biggest hip-hop african like in africa it's the biggest hip-hop event and i have a mutual friend through that um who's who's friends with the guys then i actually saw the uh, ninth wonder and rhapsody and i wanted to go google gaga but i i felt let me just hold my composure just a little bit and right. just ease through it. <laughs> See? Yeah, there's some amazing, like I said, amazing folks here that have definitely been tied into that hip-hop community. And I'm glad you mentioned Rhapsody because definitely I know a lot of folks are very much familiar with her music and everything. We've actually got a show here on IBM TV um, that is based in Nigeria. And they're oftentimes talking about some of the rough neighborhoods in that country as well. So that I know that even though we've had a lot of things with Black Lives Matter, that y'all have also had issues around police violence in various parts of uh, Africa, whether it's South Africa, whether it's Nigeria, or whether it's a number of other places that are there on the continent. So I'd love to if yeah. you could share a little bit of your thoughts as to how folks are doing in that regards as well, because I do think that a lot of these neighborhoods, we don't think about the fact that there's these rough neighborhoods and these kind of things that are impacting not just here, whether it's Durham, whether it's New York, whether it's St. Louis, but it's also impacting places like in Africa, like in Europe, like in Australia. So I'd love to hear your thoughts about that, because a lot of times we don't hear enough from our South African brothers. Yes. OK. Um, I uh, uh, For me, it's it's more like this. It's it's all lives matter. And. Right. It's, it's, it's who we put in certain positioning, you know, and I, I find every country has its different way of working. Like if, if it was up to me, if I was a president or something like that, I would have uh, policemen go through a six year, you know, training you know, just as a doctor does because our lives are in their hands. So, um, they, they, there's 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 politics everywhere you go, but the thing is, you you want to keep the main thing the main thing, and which is your focus at the end of the day. And mm -hmm. you know what, you want to clear as much as possible away from the violence, the agony, and for the people who lose people through those tragics, just pray for them. You know, keep a prayer for them and hope for the best for the rest that's alive, and hopefully get the people that are responsible for certain things. So me, I'm all for every life, you know, every life, including uh, dogs, birds. It's, right. it's about life. Life is for the living. So everything matters and let's treasure it because you never know. Tomorrow, you won't be here. 
So celebrate and make the most out of it today. That's my right thoughts around it. No, you're very much true about that and everything. I was actually just thinking, uh, I think it was a few days ago, we had an incident in uh, here in America where there was a gentleman in Ohio, which is one of our states here, but he was uh, killed by the policeman and everything of that nature. And uh, his family was saying he was coming back from a, um, I think he had come back from a dental appointment and also coming back and had it in his hand, a Subway sandwich. So how you must take a gun for a Subway sandwich is beyond me since they don't look anything alike, but that's what the police were trying to say. But everybody did, like I know I was hearing the attorneys talking and the attorneys were saying what he had in his hand was a Subway sandwich. And, I've eaten enough Subway sandwiches to know that they don't look anything like any gun that's out there at all. <laughs> it's, 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 it's crazy the answers that people come up with. But you know what? Uh, if you're going to put yourself in a position of might, if you're going to put yourself in a position of any responsibility, you need to learn. How you might have noticed a change in your neighborhood lately. Yep, Sprint stores are now T-Mobile stores. Now that Sprint is T-Mobile, you get more coverage, value, and benefits than ever before. We've invested billions to bring our 5G from big cities to small towns across America. And great coverage is just the start. From high-speed mobile hotspot data to weekly deals and giveaways, our customers get tons of great benefits. Head to your new T-Mobile store to learn more. Qualifying service and capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain plan or features. Ctmobile.com. Life gets a lot more magical when you dream. So let's dream of a vacation unlike any other. A magical Disney cruise. <laughs> Hiya, pal. Where new stories meet tales as old as time. Enchanté, mon ami. And your family will be cared for the moment you step aboard. Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line. How to take accountability for it. Chin up. So that's why I say it's, it's, it's up to us who we put in certain positions. As soon as we can get that sorted out, the world is going to become a much more better place. No, I definitely agree with you. The world will become a better place. There's no doubt about that. And we just got to work on ways to make that happen, make the world a uh, much better place and everything. Now you're doing, I know you got the label, but are you doing the um, actual recording in a sound studio there? Or are you doing it in a home studio or how are you doing the actual recording that you then to your major label or, and how can folks help you in your career? So if folks are listening because we do have a global audience. What are some of the things that you need from the global audience in order to be a success? So like I said, I know we got folks that are listening, not just from Africa, but from Asia, from Europe, and a number of other places as well. So if folks are listening and want to support you, how can they support you? All right. Um, I, I do my recording based on a, uh, a little small studio that I got in one of the rooms where I'm staying. And um you know what, it, it makes it much more convenient because I spend a lot of time when I do music. So as opposed to going out there and, you know, paying um, studio fees every time, you know, you're just taking away from yourself. Whereas if you have something, it makes it easier for you to do all you need to do. So with time, I learned how to mix and master. I learned how to do the recording myself. Um, I, I mean, I have artists who are equivalent or some of them even just slightly beyond me that are coming to me so I can help them out with 
um, how to become melodic, how to do this and that, um, as opposed to anything else. Um, for, for people helping to support, I'd say, you know what, um, it starts with a one click of a button, you know, uh, go on the Facebook pages, go on the YouTube pages. You know what, if, if you have something to offer at the end of the day, we just an inbox away. Cool. And tell folks the website again, because like I said, I'm sure folks would love to know the website and how they can reach you by website as well as the website of the label if you've got that and everything. And I'll see you if I can find it in that letter that y'all sent me. But definitely if you will share with folks how they can reach out to you, I'm sure that they would love to hear that. All right. So I think the best thing is going on my uh, Facebook page, which is um, Nizi Nova, that's N-I-Z-Z-I-E space N-O-V-A. It, it makes it easier for you to get all the details between my um, Nizi Nova account and page. Um, the website is there. It's, it's, it's a it's a website with more of a bio in it. You know, um, the music is out on YouTube. The music is out on Spotify. You know, you just search the same name, Nizanova. Um, it makes it much more easier for everyone to find me there. That makes a lot of sense. And tell folks um, exactly what does, uh, how you came up with that name, because Nizzy Nova is not a common name. So I'd be curious, and I'm sure the rest of our listeners would become curious as well as to how the name came about and what the name means or who it's named after. So how did you come up with that name? All right. So um, Nizzy Nova, it's basically a way of saying new person, you know, um, because of where I'm from. And it's more of a statement. It's it's not where I'm from. It's where I'm going. Because um, Nova, the Latin term for that is new. So it's 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 based on that. It's it's more of a a a, a life conquering situation that I come from, you know, and working towards bigger goals. So. It, it has its own meaning behind that. And basically it stands for that precisely. You know, there is a deeper meaning to it, but we, we'd need at least about an hour for that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but short and sweet, um, uh, a new person, a new person with goals, focused on goals, not where he's coming from. Definitely. And uh, I'd love to hear that long explanation. We probably got about an hour, but that might take the whole hour. So I can understand not wanting to share that. We'll share that for a, another time and everything. But I'm sure folks might be reaching out to you via email or whatever to learn more as to what this uh, secret meaning is and everything, because folks may be interested in that as well. So actually, I'm going to bring up another one of my amazing guests as well. So I've got... Uh, Homera, who's going to pop in and tell Hello, everyone. With How are you doing? Hi. Namaste. Hello. Glad to have you on here and everything. So definitely glad to have you were able to join us. I've been talking today to Nizzy Nova. Nizzy Nova is actually a musician out of South Africa. Humera oh, wow. has been involved with a uh, number of things, including doing some shows here on our network. But she's also very much involved in the Bollywood community. So she's definitely involved. <laughs> 
in the Bollywood community and also is in West Virginia and things of that nature. But Mizzy was sharing his music and sharing his whole philosophies around hip hop. And I know that you're also a big music fan yourself as well. So definitely uh, you might have some thoughts about what he's been talking about because he's actually lives in a rough part of South Africa, but he's determined to uh, use the music to get out there and to put some positive messages out there and to give some folks some real good encouragement. Is that a fair thing to say about your music, Nizzy? 100%. I, I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> cool. So what made you want to be a singer? Um, basically, I, I grew up in a state where there was a whole lot of mixtapes going around me as a kid growing up, and I found love through that. And I was miming a song a while back with um, uh, uh, a lady who is like a sister to me and I was on stage with her and I saw how the crowd reacted to me. And from that point, I said, wow, this is what I want. I'm six years old, but I know what I want. And I never looked back since. Well, wow. and that was how many years ago, Nizzy, if you don't mind putting that age frame in there? <laughs> that was 21 years ago. So he's in his late 20s now, so he's known that now for a number of years and everything. And by the way, Homera has also, like I said, been involved in uh, a lot of different things. She's also been involved in the political world and definitely did some things on the political front out of West Virginia and other parts of the uh, United States and has got family roots in India. And she's actually got a younger son who is in his early 20s, if I remember correctly. Oh, right? no, no, he's 17. 17, all right. 17, yeah, he's a senior in high school. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, we, we, we should definitely connect out there as people, you know, and especially if we're spreading good um, thoughts and we're spreading good love. Um, it, it makes it much more easier for us to make more of an impact because you're not here forever. But what you do today can live on forever. So um, I, I believe in connecting with people, especially when they have the right attributes to life. And, you know, we just keep everything going. So if if you have something at thought that you want to do in South Africa, um, you, you've got if you have my name, you have my details. Wow, sounds great. Nizzy, what are some of the things that you look for when you're trying to connect with people? Like I said, you had the pleasure of connecting with this Canadian music label and everything. But when you're looking to make connections, whether that's uh, business folks or whether that's fellow entertainers or even in your social life and everything, what are some of the attributes that you look for when trying to make those connections in your life? All right. So uh, due to my 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 trade as a sales person, sales manager, sales consultant, and more of a regional sales trainer. Um, I, I look for much more of a psychological aspect of a person because I'm very careful in terms of who I bring around my circle. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't drink. I don't, you know, party or club or anything like that. So it's, it's, it's about having people around you that inspire you to become a better person or a better version of yourself. Those are people I look out for. And it, if you do it long enough and you study people long enough, you'll notice even in the smallest things, how they say hello or how they turn their back and walk away. There's always a mark that is left behind. 
Yeah, but I agree with you on that. One of the things that I've noticed even about Humera and her team of folks is that she seems to have that same philosophy because I know even in some of her enterprises and things, she's had folks like her mom and her dad involved, and she's had a number of other folks that are in her friendship circle involved. So it does seem like you have that similar kind of philosophy of wanting to have a circle of friends that are in your tight control and well, I shouldn't say control, but that are in your circle that have got your back. Would you say that? That's oh, a yeah. statement? oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, you can have a million acquaintances, but if you can count, like, even if, if you have one person who has your back, that's like a lot because pe most people don't have anybody. And that's the sad thing in this world. Like, I mean, people have such different backgrounds. Like some people will come from a very abusive family and like, the person they're supposed to trust the most betrayed them. So, I mean, like, that's like, I mean, we have to understand everybody's situation. And there's always yes. something to be thankful for. Always. You know, I, yeah, definitely agree. agree. You've got to understand people's situations. Um, Nizzy, one of the things I was talking earlier when we had Fran Harris on, and she's a uh, person that's developing an energy drink that'll be sold. And she's a former WNBA player, but will be sold in the United States first, and then she's hoping to go global. Oh, I'm not hoping she will be going global. There's no doubt that France got that kind of mindset and everything. But we were talking about how oftentimes, too often in business, folks don't, um, they kind of do what my friend Ray calls the brain drain. They want you to do performances and things of that nature, but they don't necessarily give you the rewards that you would like. Is that something that you faced in your career? And how do you deal with that? Um, look, politics. <laughs> politics will be politics. But one thing is... Uh, it's about knowing what you want. And um, look, if somebody came through with um, good intent towards me and they let me know, look, I can't afford to do this or I can't afford to give you this, but I am asking you to do this for me. You know, it, it, it makes it easier to know the situation you're going into. You know, that's why I, 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 I tend to say this with to a lot of people. Um, rather hurt me with lies i mean hurt me with the truth than to comfort me with lies it, it makes it easier for one person but when opportunities come through it's best to know where you are situated and where you are going and as far as doing things like that um for my side look it's always good to have it filtered with um the right people like my manager he's always the right person to talk to and he, he'll work out every single thing, you know. But if the person connects through me, like um, whether it be LinkedIn or any type of social media platform, he's always there and he knows um, how to work things off. So it makes it easier for anyone to connect and reach out for whatever. That makes sense. So, Mary, I know you use LinkedIn as well, and I know I've got a lot of friends that are even on LinkedIn. They're LinkedIn influencers, a couple of them, and things of that nature. And actually, Fran brought that up as well earlier on this show and everything. How important in the various things that you're working on do you think social media is? Because, like I said, I know that Fran, even with her new sports drink, was talking about the importance of folks reaching out there through LinkedIn or making those connections through LinkedIn, but how important, whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, or any of the social media platforms, do you think these platforms are in this day and time? Is there a platform for like artists, like musicians? Is there a specific platform for like Facebook for musicians? I've heard of a couple that are being organized. I know that Grant Malloy Smith is organizing something called the Indie Collective, which is basically almost like a Facebook 
for artists. So it'll be like a kind of way that people can put their name and their product and things out along that line. So he's got that thing going because actually it started as a Facebook group. I think you can find it on Facebook as the Indie Music Collective and everything. But then he's also getting people in the world to do it and they get to put their profiles and things on that nature. So Nizzy, if you're not on that, you definitely need to get on the Indie Music Collaborative. And I know that they've actually got their own separate page and things of that nature. And there might be other ones as well, but that's the one that I'm the most familiar with. Nizzy, are you in South Africa right now? Yes, I am. Wasn't it Nelson Mandela's birthday? Was it his birthday or something a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, it was, it was Nelson, Nelson was Mandela. It's, yeah, it's, it was, it's yeah. Nice. Yeah, because he's like one of my favorite people in like the whole world. Like, I mean, like I like I quote some of his quotes, but like my grandfather, like Mark knows my paternal grandfather was a freedom fighter with Gandhi back in India. And so when he like he was actually like on the ground, like one of the organizers, like behind the scenes. And um, when India was fighting for his independence, uh, my grandfather would stand on a bus and through a bullhorn, he like addressed crowds of thousands of people. And um, he passed before I was born, but my relatives told me stories that he was so charismatic that even the rowdy skin in the back would just be quiet and listen to him speak. And then when um, India won its independence, he went on to become like the equivalent of a US Senator or the first prime minister of India. So there's a picture of my dad walking the streets in India and the first prime minister, like Indra Gandhi's father, she's like, he's like touching my dad's head and my dad's 10 years old. So we have a wow. photo of that. Yeah. No, I should Who's check it the, out sometime. What were you saying, Izzy? I was saying I should check it out. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll connect and then I'll, I'll have a check on it and or send a link or something like that. It's always good knowing um, these type of stories, you know. I mean, at the end of it all, it originates to where we all come from because one effect of a country does influence the rest of us. And we were all world. one country. We were Pangea, yeah. like, before anything. Yes. No. 100%. All right. Sorry. What were you saying, Mark? No, just listening to y'all's conversation and everything, but definitely and I was actually going to put up the uh, website for grants, folks, and everything. So I was actually going to do that right now under the banner. So I'm going to put that on. And then we've also got this other thing that I do during the online dinner party, which is actually one of the small little things that we do that I did not get to on the education music forum yesterday. So I'm going to put up some clues as well, because we always have a mystery guest that shows up at the dinner party as well. And it's kind of a contest of you have to guess who the person is and everything. And there's usually one that's American and one that's global. And I do it sometime during the course of the hour or the three hours and everything. And the fans are supposed to guess all that are watching. But sometimes the people in the show do a better job of guessing than the fans do. So, so far, I think that the uh, actual audience folks have been doing a, a horrible job because they've not been coming along with the answers. But the uh, folks within the show have done a really good job of guessing who some of these people are and everything. So I'm about to put up the Indie Music Collaborative, or it's actually the Indie Collaborative is I think what that website is. But that's the website that I was talking about, the IndieCollaborative.com, and Grant Malloy Smith is the person behind that. And like I said, they are definitely unifying and putting people together, uh, musicians from around the world. So if you're not a member of that, Nizzy, definitely join that and become a member of that because they definitely 
that's another way for folks to get out there. And I do know that uh, folks are also on like Reverb Nation and SoundCloud and a number of other platforms like that. But uh, are you on Reverb Nation and uh, on, and SoundCloud as well? And if so, under is it just under your name, Nizzy Nova? I, I wouldn't go there. <laughs> Okay. I was, I I did the Reverb Nation when I was a when I was a kid. Uh, I think that was over ten years ago. Um, so, but uh, under SoundCloud, yes, there is some few tracks in there. But uh, one is more focused on Spotify these days and your YouTube because um, those seem to be more of a concrete source of music especially around this side. And you know what, if you, if you can generate a bit of income while doing it as an artist, it, it, it makes more sense for you. Um, I'm going to check the link out and then we'll definitely have a look at it. Cool, please do check that out and everything. I think it'll be definitely worth it. As a musician, I know that some musicians are going into uh, Give Me a Coffee and Patreon and a number of those kind of sources in order to, as you just said earlier, Nizzy, get some money into their pocket while they're trying to um, get their craft and getting the more bigger contracts and everything. Are you a fan of things like Patreon and uh, Give Me a Coffee and some of these other kind of like tip jar approaches in order to get some money and raise some money? And if so, how do you feel that they work to either your benefit or to your detriment? Um, you know, I have a different mindset. I feel as artists right now, this is where you should be giving back to people. This, These are the times where you actually have to start having a different approach and say, I understand you guys supported me through this. And you know what? If I can give you guys um, a free music video or a free song, it, so be it. Um, I think we, we as artists, we a lot actually tend to have a lot of money and they don't know how to be responsible with it. So it comes down to the basic education of money, but not everyone has that. You know, it's not taught in school and it's, 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 it's not something someone can teach you, but somebody can give you the basis of it and you need to learn around that. And if you are quite a good musician and well-educated, um, remember for me, education is one of the most important chapters of everything. So if you're well-educated, then you, you wouldn't be suffering around these times. You would know how to have your placement of um, cash flow going. So I, I believe in that. Yeah, makes sense. Amir, what are your thoughts about that? Because I do find that sometimes folks don't necessarily know the business aspect of either show business or sports business, because I was actually talking to a friend about that earlier, and I know that you've got friends in all of these different kinds of fields, but do you think that we're taught enough about the business aspect of either show or uh, sports or a number of these other kinds of things? Because I know you've got friends in those avenues. Well, I mean, what I want to reference to is when my cousin was on my um, my last episode of Hamerawood, he's actually an orthopedic surgeon. And what he was saying on the show was that when he was in college, he minored in music and he majored in like biology because he wanted he was thinking about being a jazz musician. And so when he was in college, he went to University of Miami. His teacher, he asked him, he said, listen, I really love to make music 
but I do not like the part of promoting my music and having to sell, rec you know, all that aspect, the business part, I don't like. I just want my, to do music. And he's like, I really like medicine too, but I don't know what to do. And so his coach was like, listen, what you do is you pursue medicine. And then when you feel like you have something to say, then you go to the music. If you don't like the business aspect, you know, if that's, if that's not what you want to do, then just, if you're only purely doing it for artistic reasons, then just when you have something to say, go create. And then when not, then go do your job. Like, <laughs> it's like that. Yeah. That's, he, that's his, what he told me. No, that makes sense. Um, Nizzy, what's, what are your thoughts about that? Because you talked about the fact that you're in the sales business and everything of that nature. And I do know that oftentimes we too often tell our entertainers, we tell our athletes, we tell our other folks to make sure that you've got your career going and develop your career. But many of the older folks will also tell you, make sure that you've got something else in the pocket in case it doesn't take off. So did you gonna go in it with that different attitude of I'm going to make it in music regardless? Or do you feel that you need that backup plan? I, uh, for me, it's it's not a backup plan. It's more of a let the let the flows come wherever they go. You know, let me receive. Um, and so it's it's uh, right now at this current point, I'm a sales director at a clothing manufacturing company. And uh, at T-Mobile, we believe in putting people first by treating them right. So we've upped the benefits without upping the price. With Magenta Max, you get our best plan for 5G with unlimited premium data that can't slow down based on how much smartphone data you use. Plus, you'll pay zero cost to switch. And bring your phone. We'll pay it off up to 800 bucks only at T-Mobile. Capable device required for 5G. Activate up to 4K or video streams of 480p. 40 gigs high-speed tethering. Up to $800 via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Support charges waived. See details at T-Mobile.com. Life gets more magical when you dream. So dream of a Disney cruise filled with magic and wonder. <laughs> Hiya, pal! Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line. I've got a sales team behind me and all of that. So um, I, I, I believe in the aspect that at the end of it all, you know what? If you can, if you can do something with your hands or your mind, give it to the world. And I, I, I'm, I, I feel I'm, I'm good at doing what I do um, as a trade, and therefore it is something that I take pride in. Um, I, I actually have more love for business, and music is like my second love. Is there a story behind your name, Nizzy Nova? Yes. Um, from basically where I'm from, <laughs> Mark asked this question earlier. That's why I'm. Oh, you did? Okay. <laughs> That's okay. We can, I didn't know that means again. star. That's why I was like, because Nova's star, right? Is it Nova? Yes. Does that mean star? I think Nova. <laughs> Supernova, yeah. right? Like. Yeah. Uh, my 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 latest EP is actually called Supernova. Oh, but, hey, um, brain connection. Yeah. <laughs> Nizi Nova basically means a new person, um, as Nova is also a Latin term for new. Um, basically, it, it, it's, it's more of to do with the, the past that I've conquered and where I'm going to in life. So it means one is much more focused. And as I brought it up earlier to Mark, if we were to actually explain this whole thing, it would take another hour. 
So that's just a small brief of what Mijanova means, a new person. Yeah, yeah definitely. And by the way, for folks that are watching, I'm going to bring up those clues of those two mystery guests. Actually, I guess it'll be close to four mystery guests since two of them were not revealed last week. But this is one of the people, and it is the clue is in August of 2017, she became the leader of the New Zealand Labor Party. And then in October 2017, at the age of 37, she became the country's youngest prime minister in more than 150 years. So that's one of the clues. And she is the... Uh, Second of two daughters to a Mormon family, and she spent her first uh, years in Morapora, the small town best known as a center of Maori gang activity. So she definitely comes out of a rough area as well. So that is one of the folks that I'm trying to get folks to uh, think about who that person is. And I know what she, she looks said, like. I don't know her name. <laughs> she said children without shoes on their feet or anything to eat for lunch inspired her to eventually enter politics. And in 2005, she embarked on an overseas um, experience, because a lot of times that's experience expected, usually working trips to Britain, which is a traditional rite of passage for the children of New Zealand's middle and upper class. So we know that she's from New Zealand. So I've given you all plenty of clues and everything. And she, while she was there, she worked uh, for two and a half years in the cabinet office of British Prime Minister Tony Blair, serving as an associate director for Better Regulation executive. So that's one of the things. And in her maiden speech, she called for the introduction of the compulsory instruction in the Maori language in the New Zealand school. So she's definitely a forward thinking person and all of that. And she castigated the New Zealand uh, government for what she characterized as the shameful response to climate change. So she's definitely a person behind climate change. And I've got one more clue. Well, two more. Then she's definitely considers herself a lapsed Mormon because of some of the views that they have on same-sex marriage and things of that nature. And she gained notoriety by performing as a disc jockey. So she was also involved with a uh, person in that part of the world that is a broadcast personality and who in 2016 became the host of a show called Fish of the Day. But definitely she, in addition to her politics, she was involved as a DJ and all of that. So I'll wait and see if any of the folks in the uh, chat boxes and things of the comments can come up with the answer. And the end, I may ask y'all if y'all got any idea as well. So I know what she looks know. like. I know what she looks like, but I don't know her name. So you, so you got you can put you can place a I picture to the face. If she was in a lineup, I could like identify her. <laughs> gotcha. You'd <laughs> be like. Uh, I don't know who she is, <laughs> and um, I'm 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 going to have to say um, I'm going to leave now because you guys are going to. Um, I don't want my phone to cut off without me saying goodbyes. It's going. Well, I appreciate it. One of the things that I always Thank do at you. the end of the show, it was nice and I know you guys you. And one Thank of the things you. I try to get most of the guests to do is if there's any words of encouragement that you can give for folks in general that they might want to uh, know in the sense of positivity, and that's around the world. So any kind of like words of encouragement that you would like to share with folks and Izzy, that's one of the things I try to get all my guests to do. So if you got any words of positivity or words of encouragement, then I would love to hear those from you 
before you bounce off. And I'm also going to let you know that at some point in the last 30 minutes, I will put back on your track the last one we played again. Okay. One, so that the Americans see it, and two, so that the audience can see it again. So I know you've got to bounce off, but I will promise okay. you that I will play it at least one more time. Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. My words of encouragement, it's more of real um, reality check. Keep the main thing the main thing. Stay focused. That makes a lot of sense. Definitely agree with that and everything. So I appreciate those words of advice and definitely words of encouragement. Hopefully I'll get you to come back in the not too distant future. As I was saying, Alexandria May does a show from South Africa here on Sundays on the IBM TV network. So I might have to have her get you on her show as well. I know her show is more singer songwriter oriented, but she has had musicians of different types as well, but definitely we'll have to reach out to her and see if she can't get you on her Sunday show. And of course, you're welcome to come back anytime you feel like on any of my shows that air on Monday and Wednesday. So definitely look forward to having you return back anytime that you feel like it. I think that his uh, phone he just found. finally did die. <laughs> definitely glad that you were able to appear as well, Humera. By the way, this is Thank one of the Thank you for clues. inviting me. Oh, no problem. And the other clue is we are living in an increasingly polarized world, a place where more and more people have lost the ability to love, to see one another's point of view. So that's one of her quotes that oh, she is said. Still that woman? I can Google right now. <laughs> Doesn't count. I, like, I know what, what she looks like. Well. Isn't she, when coronavirus first hit, wasn't she like credited for like keeping the numbers down in New Zealand? Right? Fact, that's yeah, her, right? Fact, she did an amazing thing with that. And that's actually one of the other clues. The rest so, of the yeah, I know she that. is. I hope that this election, New Zealand has shown that uh, this is not who we are, that as a nation, we can listen and we can debate. After all, we are too small to lose sight of other people's perspective. And then this is similar to what you were talking about, says that in April of this year, she announced she and other lawmakers were taking a 20 percent pay cut for the next six months in solidarity with those affected by the coronavirus. So that's not anything that any of our folks in the United States did. That's for sure. So, Well, um, Mark, I have to ask you a question. Yes. So how are you dealing with the latest news, the curfew in North Carolina? Um. I hadn't even paid attention to North Carolina to notice that we were under curfew. So, oh, they made the decision yesterday, I think, that you have to stay in from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. Wow. It's a curfew. That is news to me. I did know that oh. California. <laughs> You've been I, hosting the radio show. I've been doing radio shows. There's I'm stuff just, going on in the outside world. There's stuff going on in the outside world that I missed. <laughs> I didn't even notice about this. Okay. Tell me all the way from West Virginia. That's just wrong. Yeah. But yes, I will double check on that. But I did. No, because I was to, just um, in. I mean, like, I mean, like, I have lots of friends in North Carolina, right. and so, like, but yeah, they just decided yesterday, the governor, that there's like right. now, like, all the like restaurants and bars have to close by nine or something, so that everybody leaves by ten, something like that. It's until January eighth, so it's going to be during New Year's Eve, Christmas, oh, everything. That's going to bring a lot of people's New Year's Eve celebrations. Yeah, but, they're like, well, I'm New Year's brunch now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it'll be New Year's brunch. It won't be New yeah, Year's Eve. Yeah. That is shameful. How dare they yeah. do that? But, no, I did not know that. I was talking to Brian, who is a friend of mine, and he does Voice Your Vibes and is a LinkedIn influencer. And he's out in California, and they are under some severe shutdowns in California. So they've been having a lot of things with their going on. And I did see where um, Biden is doing, when he comes into office, he's going to put in a hundred day mask up order in effect and everything. So he wants everybody to mask up for a hundred days straight 
from the time that he comes in office to 100 days from there. And there was a couple of other things that he put on there as well. And I know that you were involved in politics, but I never asked you how. So I know that Steve was on the show earlier, but I don't even know how you got involved in politics or what exactly you do in politics. I just know well, that you've been involved in politics. Did, was um, when I was younger, I started out by helping with campaigns. I helped with like different campaigns. Um, actually, when I was around in my early 20s, uh, the Speaker of the House for West Virginia, he was the delegate from our hometown. And so I helped him with his reelection campaign and he won like by the biggest margin he'd ever won by. And he actually, um, yeah, he was the Speaker of the House for like a while. And then when I was like, I was also a research analyst for the House of Delegates for the Roads and Transportation and Industry and Labor Committees. I researched bills and I would like share my findings with the delegates who were on the, those two committees. And then what happened was I went to college, I went to law school, and then I went to broadcasting school. And then I was I was gonna like actually I was on the on the route to become like a, a like in television news, mm -hmm. but then what happened was um, I started working for U.S. Senator Manchin's campaign when he was running for governor in West Virginia, so I helped his campaign and he won. So I was on the transitional team, and then when he became governor, I was um, his main communication director. I was her special assistant. So my office, like I was with the communications, it was the communications director. I was her special assistant. We also had a, um, a press, we had like, um, it was like four people with us, the press secretary and the assistant press secretary. So we all worked together. But I, me and the communications director, we were in the tunnel and the tunnel area is like the secure area of like the Capitol where the governor's actual office is. So it was just like a, a long tunnel and it had the only people in there like was, was the governor, his chief of staff, his assistant chief of staff, the communications director, um, his scheduler, and then like, like, like me, like, and so like, it was like really interesting because I was in the tunnel. That's where all like the top people of the state, you couldn't go back there unless you were like, brought back by like, you know, like someone or you were buzzed back because it was this high security area. So like my, like where I sat, I sat really literally like maybe three feet from, you go like three or four feet to the left and that was the actual governor's office. And then I was right outside the chief of staff store. And then he went on to become the uh, West Virginia, the leader of the Democratic Party for West Virginia. And then Governor Manchin went on to become US Senator Manchin. And then what happened was his wife is actually from the city that I grew up in. So I know her and um, she became the president of the West Virginia Board of Education. So back then my son was in element, elementary school. So I, you know, I like, I, I, what happened was I was like, um, there was this bond levy going on in my in my area and i had this campaign to push the levy like i got billboards and i like commercials and i was like you know it was like this this thing to help the schools help them help the schools you know get funds to become better so um the um mrs mansion at the time was the president of the western board of education so she actually um i had invited her you know like to come speak so she came and spoke at my son's elementary school and it was like a huge deal you know because she's the president of the western Union board of education so like she came and like the superintendent came and like all media and the principal of the school um she had my son introduce 
Mrs. Mansion in front of, you know, everybody. So my son was only like 10 years old or something. So he introduced her. And then what happened was her, his speech was about her life as a kid. Like she, cause he, he was like, you know, people know about her life all, you know, everybody knows about her life now. I want, I think it'd be cool if the kids know about her life, you know, as a child like growing up, cause she grew up in the same hometown. So mm-hmm. it was about that, but it was good. I mean, like, um, okay. So then what happened was I got, I like, I moved to North Carolina for a year. I resigned mm-hmm. from the governor's office after I was like, I was there for like five years. And then I was just like, you know, I was, I was having some personal issues. I was like, it's time to move on, you know, like that thing. So I moved to North Carolina and then I kind of got out of politics, but then <laughs> I got put, like, it's something, it's one of those things, like, I like politics. I like politics. It's not like my ultimate passion, but for some reason, life keeps on, like, getting me, like, involved in some type of politics. So when I was in Charlotte, when I lived there, I actually became the um, DNC examiner of Charlotte for examiner.com. That's, like, an online newspaper. And, like, in every major city, they have their own, like, head. You know, I don't, I don't think they have it now. This was, like, about – this was back in 2009, 2010. Mm-hmm. So I became – what happened was I just – I wanted to become an examiner for some reason. I don't know. I had a choice of what I wanted to do. And I just decided DNC examiner. I had no idea why I even chose that. So uh, the Democratic National Committee examiner. So I would like, you know, I had a blog and I would write like, you know, what's going on. So then this is before they chose Charlotte to be the city for the mm-hmm. 2012 Democratic National Committee Convention. So they brought that to Charlotte and I was already the examiner. So I like attended President Obama's speech. I attended Vice President Biden's speech. I was interviewed by the inter- international media. Um, it was like quite an experience. So I was that. And then I started working for my parent, my family business. And then, I mean, like it's just always, it's just always had been something. Like I said, my grandfather was, you know, the politician in India. So I guess it's just something that's in my blood. So I don't know. And you said, Cause you know, a lot of it? times, like if you look like the, at the Kennedys, like their family, mm-hmm. like even though this isn't a monarch, you know, but yet people say, Oh, you know, like, I mean, it's, it's, it's so many families. Like, I mean, they'll have like the Kennedys. I mean, they have people in politics who are in the family. Like at the time, like JFK's brother. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people, I guess they think that you have some hereditary trait, maybe that maybe you got that gene that, that, you know, maybe that's like, cause look at um, Anderson Cooper, mm-hmm. like, like, I mean, like, you know, that's, I think that's what people look for when, when you're like a celebrity, then, you know, it's their family member. They're like, oh, maybe they have that, whatever, that it factor or whatever. I don't know what, but I don't. Wow. <laughs> and then, like I said, it seems like you're still doing stuff. Cause when I looked on, when I saw the LinkedIn profile, it still had you involved in some, even local politics, I guess up there in West Virginia and stuff. So you're still doing things in the political front and the media front and still engaged in a lot of different things along that line. Now, did you always love Bollywood movies or did that come around Well, later? Bollywood, this is the thing. When I grew up, like ever since I was a baby, my parents have been watching Bollywood movies. I think when I was even a baby, like in India, like if I was ever my, with my mom when she was visiting, she would take me as a baby to the movie theater to watch, you know, the movie. So I, I've always watched movies. And my dad, like I had said on one of my episodes of Hamerwood, mm-hmm. he wanted to be a Bollywood actor. 
And then he took the more stable route and became a doctor, but he always still had that love for Bollywood. So growing up, we watched every single Bollywood movie that came out, we watched. It didn't matter what it was, we watched it. And it was just, I mean, we just always, we, even the music we would always listen to was always like the soundtracks for all the Bollywood movies. Uh, my dad, we would go to all the shows, like I was showing photos on my show about how we would just go to these shows with all these famous Bollywood stars performing. So, I mean, and then in India, another thing is if you're at the airport in India, like you always run into somebody who's famous. Like it's just, you just always do. It's because, so I'm, I've just, yeah, I mean, it's just in India, that's it's what it's part of the culture. Honestly, in India, it's just one of those things. If you're from India, you, you know, Bollywood, like, you know, it's just, no, it's, interesting, it's just one of those things. No, it's a friend of mine. Exactly, like, yeah, you know. like if you're at a tea party or like, you know, like this, a dinner party, I mean, you, that's always something that unites everyone in the conversation. You know, it's that one topic that everybody can give their little two cents on and have a discussion on. So, no, I mean, definitely. it's, it's I just, fun. Oh yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. And it's yeah. very, very much fun along those lines. A friend of mine actually, um, who is a uh, Anglo woman and everything, but her, um, I'm not sure if they're married or not, but we'll just say her significant other. He's always been a major Bollywood DJ. So I've gone to a couple oh, of the concerts wow. where he played, but he's actually real good at it. He plays all the different hit songs where from Bollywood. He lives in Chapel Hill. He lives in Chapel Hill. Yeah, because that there's so many because of the triangle, the research, what's it called? The research. There's just so many Indian people. Like I know Mm -hmm. Carrie has a lot of Indian restaurants and Indian like grocery stores. Oh yeah, they've got one of my uh, good friends. I actually am friends with the entire family. Is Vimala and her um, daughter Manju, and now Manju's got a uh, son as well. So there's like three generations. I think one of them, I think Vimala's son, is an actor. But um, in terms of like American movies and things oh, of that wow. nature, but yeah, they have a restaurant in Chapel Hill called Vimala's uh, Curry Blossom. Uh, okay. Yeah, but it's a, definitely an Indian restaurant. It does quite well. They do a lot of catering and things along that line. But it's a real fun and good restaurant. And I've actually. It's making me hungry. I'm thinking that I need to go over there. And then, Where's the food? Can, is this an online dinner party? Yes. Yeah. I was like, I'm getting hungry. I need to go get that going. I didn't know if I should bring my own food. Like, if it's a dinner party, I was thinking, should I be eating while I'm talking well, to you? Sometimes people do eat and everything and everything. And by the way, this is the other clues. I'm putting some of those other clues. But this is the other person. They were 49 years old at their inauguration. They were also the. Uh, first president in office to have his picture taken way back in 1849. And this is one that's a political one. His wife was such a staunch Presbyterian that music and dancing were banned at the inaugural ball until they left. I can't even see having an inaugural ball with folks not dancing. Like I said, you've been to some inaugurations. I don't even know how you can have an inauguration or some sort of election celebration and not have some dancing going on. But apparently her viewpoints was not going to let that happen. And he was born in North Carolina in 1795. He was a sickly child who suffered from gallstones throughout his childhood. And at the age of 10, he moved with his family to Tennessee. So I don't know this, but I think my son would probably know it because he knows a lot about presidents. <laughs> but I don't, I don't, I don't know it. So I got you. At, at 17, he had those surgically removed and uh, then did a bunch of other things. And then by 1816, he was accepted at the University of North Carolina, where he graduated from there two years later with honors. So he graduated 
fairly quickly. Even, even back then, yeah. that was quick and everything. And he had some great, interesting quotes. So I'm going to pull up some of his quotes. I love it when they have quotes and I can find the quotes and everything. So um, there's one of the quotes that he had was, no president who performs his duties faithfully and consciously can have any leisure. So I don't know that he's met some of our modern presidents because they seem to be always at golf courses and other things. But he was saying that they can't have any leisure if they're actually doing their jobs. And he was also saying that foreign powers do not seem to appreciate the true character of our government. So I don't know about that one either, but that's what was this it president. Lincoln? Was it Lincoln? <laughs> no, it was after Lincoln. Uh, but he oh, also said okay. our relations with the various Indian tribes continue to be of a um, Pacific nature or pacific, yeah. So that's what he was saying about the relationships with the natives, uh, Native American community. And he also had this about minorities in general. Minorities have a right to appeal to the Constitution as a shield against oppression. So apparently he did feel that minorities did have that right, which is really good for somebody in 1849. Oh, and this was one of the ones that I thought was kind of cute. With me, it is an exceptionally uh, true that the presidency is no bed of roses. So apparently he knew that he was in for a very difficult job and everything along that line. So, And he also had some things that he was going to institute when he came in. Oh, and he also had this about people. He said, we, were, we must uh, ever mandate the principles that the people of the continent um, alone have the right to uh, decide their own destiny. So definitely he was about destiny and all of that. So that's some of the quotes that they've got. And there's another one about some of the things that he expected from his administration when he came in, including a settlement of the Oregon boundaries and all of that. So he definitely did some things to bring. For the ones going above and beyond. For the ones reaching out, helping out, and lending a hand. For the ones people count on. You can count on Granger. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. Backed by 24-7 customer support and specialists to help with hard-to-find products. Because you've got everyone's back. We've got yours. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You might have noticed a change in your neighborhood lately. Yep, Sprint stores are now T-Mobile stores. Now that Sprint is T-Mobile, you get more coverage, value, and benefits than ever before. We've invested billions to bring our 5G from big cities to small towns across America. And great coverage is just the start. From high-speed mobile hotspot data to weekly deals and giveaways, our customers get tons of great benefits. Head to your new T-Mobile store to learn more. Qualifying service and capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain plan or features. See T-Mobile.com. ...folks into play in terms of the uh, new states and things along that line. So he definitely did that. So definitely we'll wait and see if anybody got any comments on that and see if we get any answers. So it's like I said, sometimes the folks that are in the show do a better job. Because last week I had three uh, people that folks had to guess, and somebody did guess J.K. Rowlands, but they were in the show. So they didn't count because they were the fans in the show. And that, of course, is the Harry Potter lady and everything. But the other two, which I will reveal along with these two in a little bit, they did not have any clue about. So they were sitting there going like, I don't know. But they did remember J.K. Rowlands, my teachers because last dinner party it was all educators so it was all people in the education field and we had a great conversation around education and i think they're going to bring an education program to the network in the uh, possibly as early as tomorrow if my scheduling is remembering correctly because i can't remember if they're doing it tomorrow or next week but i'm pretty sure it's tomorrow that nancy sulla 
and her folks will be bringing in their teachers calling the, with a show called Learning Unwrapped. So they'll be unwrapping the world of teaching and talking about what we're doing right or what we're doing wrong in the world of education. So that is, I think, kicking off tomorrow. At least that was the game plan the last I heard, and I haven't heard differently. So I'm going to assume that that is still the case since I have not heard differently. But then again, I don't hear a lot of things because apparently I didn't know that I'm in the middle of a curfew. Well, it's not quite 10 o'clock yet, so I did not know I was in the middle of a curfew. And I'm going to do Homera a favor and everything. I'm going to bring up, because I promised Dizzy I would, and I'm going to get the pictures as well, but we're going to check out a little bit of Nizzy's music. So let's check out a little bit of Nizzy's music because when you popped in, you did not get a chance to hear it. So I'm going to bring up some of Nizzy's music so that you can hear it and the fans can hear it one more time. It's always good if folks get to hear it more than once. So get ready to do that shared screen. Get ready to go get the video. And hopefully it'll come up and get ready to play it. Of course, you know, technology. I should have had that one more prepared like I did the other one. And there we go. Keep it mixed. Listen to what we did, bro. Fire emoji. Fire emoji, 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 fire you should know that I'm a problem, but a boss like that nigga club. Shawty probably thought I'm a cop, cause a nigga good and a cop. I feel like Tony Montana, running around with Anna Montana. I've heard that song before. Where have I heard that song? Is it released like on the radio? I think it is on the radio, but yeah, that's his song. That song before. Yeah, it's very familiar. <laughs> I'm having conversation with people in Canada and in Texas. Me and you, different access, and we don't pay the same taxes. We don't aim at the same hope. I shake niggas, you get sure. Even if we talk punchlines, I uppercut and I bring hooks. Everywhere we go. Everything all over, body over, over. That's how we roll. Tell me when niggas get into the you don't wanna see us get in the way. They been on the news, they got nothing to lose, and they ain't got no time to get into me. Niggas got bumps on the internet. Let's see, talk bumps, but it's a parade. Everything to have fun, let's get a nigga away. Bang, 
So he's that's really good. So he's like really well known in South Africa. Yeah, he's really well known. I think it's South Africa and also trying to get some play on a national thing. Because one of the things he was talking about was he just got signed by a label based in Canada. So it's a label oh, he's got signed awesome. with Canada. So he's yeah. definitely becoming more global. He's got ties to Canada with his um, label that he's with, ties to, um, of course, his um, home area of South Africa. And then he's getting play in a lot of different other places as well. So like I said, we've had some really good guests because I also had um, your buddy Steve was on earlier. So we talked a little bit about innovation <laughs> and things of that nature. I know he shares that uh, <coughs> West Virginia connection with you. And then Fran's got her own energy drink out. It's called Electra. So she's a former WNBA player. She was actually on right at the oh, beginning. Wow. <coughs> so she was on and then um, you were on and then Nizzy. So like I said, we've had a full dinner party. By the way, this is the one that everybody knew among the educators. So I will reveal the ones that were not revealed last week and then we'll keep talking and I'll bring up the winners since nobody is commenting. But everybody in the, well, a few of the teachers knew this person. J.K. Rollins. J.K. <laughs> Rollins, right. A lot, few people knew J.K. Rollins. And uh, the other one that folks did not know um, and I thought that they might know him, but they did not know them and everything from last uh, week was this particular person. But nobody was able to tell me that particular person who is actually Ann Sullivan. And Ann Sullivan is the person that was there by the bedside with Helen Keller and was actually Helen oh. Keller's longtime uh, companion and things of that nature. So a lot of folks, I thought they might know Ann Sullivan, but they did not. And they also did not know this labor organizer, which actually sounded surprised me, but that is A. Philip Randolph. A. Philip Randolph, a lot of folks, and I, we had some folks who were into politics, but they did not know who A. Philip Randolph was either. So those are the two that folks, even in the show, did not have any idea who they were, but they did remember J.K. Rollins and everything. So they got those and everything. Everybody knows and, her. Yeah, everybody knows J.K. Rollins, and I gave a clue that was a giveaway, because a couple of times I've given away a couple of giveaway clues, but uh, Wasn't she was, older when her first book became a hit or something, right? And she yeah. achieved fame later in life. Yeah, she definitely achieved fame much later in life than some people that have become famous and everything. And apparently she's working on like some more. Um, I know she's working on, like, I think, a children's book as well as well, another children's book. And she's also working on some adult books. So she's got some new works that are coming out now in the I think one of them is already out and the rest are coming out in the near future. So definitely. Well, she definitely has cool. a fan base. <laughs> oh, no doubt. How, how, was your son one of those people that was into Harry Potter or was he into? You like, know, it wasn't before? like so hardcore into it. I mean, we, we did watch the movies, but it wasn't like we did go. We went to Florida and we Universal mm -hmm. Studios. But at that time, they had like a Harry Potter world or something, but it right. was closed for some reason. 
But like, um, yeah, I mean, he liked it, but he wasn't like obsessed with it. He liked no, Star no. Wars. He knew like back when he was really young, he was only like seven or eight. He knew what? every like episode, like which all, like even the newer ones, he knew the exact order. He knew what happened in each one. Like it was just like, and then he was in that wrestling phase where mm -hmm. he had all the wrestlers and he knew like he's been to a lot of the wrestling matches. Actually, his dad caught John Cena's shirt at one of the, you know, how he throws a shirt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like his dad caught it. So we have it. Because <laughs> wow. I heard and then there was a thing. famous like Chris Jericho. I don't know. Are you familiar with wrestling at all? Well, some, some of the wrestlers I am. I Do know, you know Chris Jericho. Like, ones. What was the name? Are you Chris Jericho? I've heard he's the name. One the more he's one of the more really famous ones. So what happened was when my son was turning 10, we live like in a, like we live outside of a kind of a small, but one of the mm -hmm. bigger towns in West Virginia. So we were at our local mall and I just saw a sign. It was like one of those music stores. And I saw a sign that had my son's birthday. So I told my son, I said, look, your birthday's on that sign. So he read it and Chris Jericho's actually in a rock band and they were coming on my son's birthday to our hometown to sign autographs at that music store and perform in concert that night. So my son, like, it was an all-age show. So my son, we went to get the autograph signed. Mm -hmm. And then I became friends with Chris Jericho. And then at the nighttime, he had his concert. So he called my son on stage and sang happy birthday to him. Wow. What, what yeah, time was so it was really cool. Yeah. When was that? This is when my son was, like, 10. I think it, this no, was, 10. like, what, 2014. What month? Uh, May. My May son's birthday is May 25th. So, okay. Yeah. That's not that far from my mom's birthday. I think my mom's is like May 26th. So he's, on, he's, oh, one of those okay. he's one of those Gemini Next people. Gemini. Yeah. 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 Well, I've actually got two of those in my family. I'm still trying to figure out how I was able to survive having two Geminis as parents. So is it Geminis? I'm not like that familiar. I know it's like the twins. It's the twins. Literally like have two like, like, different personalities. What is that? they got multiple <laughs> personalities. <laughs> They've got multiple personalities, and but having multiple personalities, if you've got two of them, then it really becomes interesting because you never know which personalities you're going to get. Because, like I said, it's uh, the mathematics becomes interesting. Like you said, one might be mad one day, and the other mellow, or they both might might be mad. It's a uh, like huh. it's very confusing because you got both double personalities and two parents with that same kind of mentality and mindset so it was interesting and then my younger brother is a scorpio so like i said oh, the fiery yeah. scorpio and two Gemini's what's with the now. scorpio then all of a sudden they'll just attack is that what it is <laughs> is that what it is out of nowhere out of nowhere yeah scorpios <laughs> are very much that kind of in mentality and everything so like, well, like i said Virgo that was, is like the innocent side we're just kind of perfection you know like critical like that's what i've heard i've heard that y'all are very much like that, but <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, my uh, my dad's a Libra and my mom is a Capricorn. Capricorns okay. get along well with Virgos. Okay, that makes sense. That would explain why y'all had that chemistry during the show episodes and everything. Because I would always see you and your mom have that chemistry. So definitely that chemistry. <laughs> no, no, I think you're up, that was my soul mom. That was your There's soul like, mom, right? I have like my real mom was on one episode. She doesn't okay. like being on air. She's not very comfortable in front of the camera. But then I have my other like um, this lady I met like as soon as I met her, we just had a connection, you know. And like she just like she 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 gets me like in certain ways that like 
it's like it's it's my mom like of course my mom i love my mom you know we have of course but then with her like my soul mom it's like it's just a different relationship but it's also like she's my mother you know like there's different she understands me in a different way i guess you know we have different things in common but yeah so she was the one who was on a two of my episodes and then okay. madhu is like I mean, it was so cute after the show Madhu was like listen you know i because she actually mother was the mother of two daughters and i'm the mm-hmm. youngest of two daughters so like mother was telling me that like her daughters live far away from her so she mm-hmm. was like you know how the other lady was my soul mother she right. was like i want to be like your soul aunt you know because i know i don't have any nieces and i always wanted a niece you know that was like so she's like i'm like your soul aunt i'm like yeah okay of course. Yeah. Definitely. So relatives are great to have and everything. And I definitely agree with that. And I've actually got a bunch of relatives that are like the kids of friends of mine or acquaintances yeah. or kids of acquaintances. So or, have a you know, I have no, even though I have no kids of my own, I still have a connection to a lot yeah. of their kids and things along that line. As a matter of fact, I was just talking to Zach earlier today that does our funk shows and everything. And he was talking about how he knows that even though, I don't have any kids that he knows that I've got the back of his two daughters and everything of that nature. So that's the way I'm with a lot of folks. You know, I have no kids of my own and, you know, and close to the late 50s. You have lots of pets, right? You're talking about, right? You don't have lots of pets? You have lots of pets, right? Pets? I have had pets in the past. I don't have any pets right now. My brother's got- Oh, you don't? Because you were admiring um, Keith Farley's cat. I was admiring his cat. Remember, like, in the the I was saying I want a cat and we've actually got a neighborhood cat here in the neighborhood. It's actually my neighbor's cats, but uh-huh. he, the cat gets out. And so we always know to knock on my neighbor's door and let the cat back in, but it'll come out and let folks pet it. And it roams around the apartment complex where I'm at. So we consider that the neighborhood cat. So that's the closest I've had to a, a pet lately. And then my of course, son my is like our, our household pet, because I'm like, I mean, just like, he's like the kid. So everybody's like, he, he gets, he has a lot of like, cause he's the only child. But he's very mature for his age. I guess with the Gemini, Gemini, I can tell that he's in certain situations he's very mature, but then in other situations he's still like a little baby, you know. So I guess that yeah. might be the two personalities. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, he's definitely got that going on and everything. But yeah, I've said I was gonna get a pet, but I'm having a hard enough time maintaining my own house with just me. So I don't yeah. know if <laughs> with animals would work and. I don't have a green thumb, so plants are not going to work either. So, well, we had pet birds, like maybe like I think six years ago, we had pet birds, and I felt so bad that like I took them outside one day the cage, and I think they saw the other birds, and they just got went all crazy. I was like, why are they being caged? I was like, they have to be free, you know. <laughs> so I like opened the cage, and I let them go, and the one thing, the funny thing was the the woman, like when they're in the cage, the male was always pecking like the female and all her feathers were all like gone so then when i opened the cage like he just went as far away from her as possible (laughs) when i opened the cage door she was like trying to get to him. he was just like boom like as far away from her but then what happened was it was so cold outside i should have chosen another day to let them but i was like you know what even one day of freedom is better than a lifetime of imprisonment you know so i was like like you know i want them to be reborn in a better state you know like i felt like i did and then you after i left after i released those birds the next summer like my bedroom there's a window outside with a tree and right the level that my eye level to see these birds they built a nest and they had they came back many years after that and they would hatch their eggs in the nest i could see the little birds 
So it was like almost like I had pet birds, but they're living in their habitat. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> I'm not disturbing pet. them, but they're still my pet birds. Like they always come right there, and I don't even yeah. have to feed them or clean their like cage. You know, just, no, that's the way I felt about the cat. <laughs> like I said, the neighborhood cat. I just kind of like feel that that's the tongue of my cat, the rest of the neighborhood's cat and everything, but I don't mind. It lets you come up to it and rub it and give it attention and all of that, but it does not belong to me. It belongs to them. I did feel sorry for it yesterday for exactly the reason that you were talking about, because it was cold outside. It was probably in the 40s or 30s last night, and I was sitting there going like, until its owner gets home, I was tempted to let it into the apartment so it could get some warmth, but I finally heard them come home, and it went back to its normal home, but I was definitely considering it letting it come into the house. And speaking of birds, there was a lady that's been on a couple of our shows, including an interview on one of my shows here on the network. And she's got a pet bird and everything. And the bird actually inter interrupted the interview. So that was actually one of the comical was moments. It was a talking bird? It was, it was it a, a uh, macaw. So it doesn't quite talk in the sense of like a parrot, but it makes enough noise that oh, you would okay. think it's talking. Yeah. But I think it was a macaw. And it, uh, flew out there, made all kinds of noise, and basically- Yeah, you can't sleep with a bird. I mean, with those type of birds. They just keep- <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, like, my son's enough of a pet. Like, I mean, he's my one child, so I put all my attention on him. And especially right now, he's like at that stage where he's like taking like the ACT and SAT, right. he's applying to colleges and scholarships and this and that. And so I wanna, I'm putting more attention, because this is like an important phase in his life, you know? Oh, and I'm hoping that like by the time this, the vaccine comes and it's distributed, they're saying it's gonna be like next summer or fall. So that's when he's entering college. I just hope he has like a normal college life. So. Yeah, I hope he has a normal college life as well. I know we got to get ready to wrap up, but before we get ready to wrap up, I'm going to reveal, since nobody was listening, who our mystery guests were for today and everything. And you were right. It was the lady from New Zealand, and that is the Prime Minister of yeah, New that's Zealand. Her. <laughs> and her name is Jacinda Arden, Arden. So Jacinda, J-A-C-I-N-D-A-A-R-D-E-R-N. And that is our mystery guest for today is Jacinda Arderin, the very progressive person out of New Zealand and all of that. And the other mystery guest, a former president, was none other than James K. Polk. So that was President Polk from the uh, 1850s and all of that. But he was one of our presidents way back when. But yes, that is President Polk. And he definitely was involved during the Manifest Destiny era of America and all of that. So those are our two mystery guests for this time. And as I always tell folks, that if you heard the answers, you can't go back and watch YouTube, see me and Humera and the rest of the guests, and then put down the answers because that would be cheating and we don't believe in cheating. So definitely I'll help up with some more mystery guests next week and everything along that line. And I'm going to end everything. Humera, before we end the dinner party, and hopefully you can come back on another one and everything, do you have any uh, words of encouragement or words of advice that you would like to share with the world because definitely that's something I try to do with all the guests when I can remember. So if you've got any words of positivity or words of encouragement that you would like to share with folks as we wrap everything up. Just enjoy every moment, savor every moment. Don't keep looking forward for, Oh, what's going to happen next week. Or it's just, you're here now. There's something to be thankful for. She's there's something to like, if you want to uplift your mood, listen to some music, like be enjoy your life. Like every second, even if you're working, whatever you're doing, just enjoy the ride. Like every movie's not like a comedy. They have drama, they have adventure, you have, you know. So enjoy, this is your movie starring you. <laughs>
Exactly. Definitely think that uh, everybody should enjoy the movie that stars them. And that's right. I sometimes feel that we are in the middle of a movie. Sometimes I think that when we get up to the uh, heavenly gates or whatever the afterlife brings, we'll be talking about like, that's not the way I wanted that scene to go. Because I do sometimes feel as if we're all in one big movie and everything, but we won't find out the whole endings and everything until the end of the movie. But I do sometimes <laughs> like that analogy because I oftentimes feel that we are in the middle of a movie. But I know that, like I said, I will definitely be um, having uh, Jatobi on The Gamer's Den, so I'll be popping in on that from 1 to 3 tomorrow. So we'll be talking about video games, and I think we've got some video game makers gone, not this coming uh, Thursday, but the following Thursday. And we've also got some other people lined up. So The Gamer's Den will be on between 1 and 3, and I'm pretty sure that Learning Unwrapped will be having its debut on tomorrow as well. And of course, there's all kinds of great programming that happens on IBM TV. So definitely, I know folks will definitely be interested in seeing the uh, show of the radio show with Mark Lee on Monday from 2 to 4, followed by the Mullins Music and Memories. Um, and then, of course, back at the online dinner party next week. And actually, I need to get your son or any youth that you know on next week's online dinner party, because I think it's going to be a youth-oriented online dinner party. Because I met a lady that runs a ranch in Colorado, I believe, and she's going to bring some of her cowgirls who are doing a lot of activism and a number of other folks onto the show. That lady with the bird who is also considered a youth leader, she might be appearing as well. So we're going to hear the thoughts from people that are in the under 30 crowd and maybe a, there might be a few in the 30 to 40 crowd, but definitely the under 30 crowd will be hearing their thoughts as to what is going on in the world as we have a dinner party centered around them on the 16th. So I'm definitely looking forward to that conversation, and I need to get in touch with the uh, person that is helping me organize that, which is the lady that runs that um, whole ranch over there in the Colorado. So definitely looking forward to that, and it should be an interesting conversation. So on that note, I'm going to wrap everything up, and we'll be back next week with the online dinner party once again. So I'm going to get ready to hit the... You might have noticed a change in your neighborhood lately. Yep, Sprint stores are now T-Mobile stores. Now that Sprint is T-Mobile, you get more coverage, value, and benefits than ever before. We've invested billions to bring our 5G from big cities to small towns across America. And great coverage is just the start. From high-speed mobile hotspot data to weekly deals and giveaways, our customers get tons of great benefits. Head to your new T-Mobile store to learn more. Qualifying service and capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain plan or features. See tmobile.com. Life gets a lot more magical when you dream. So let's dream of a vacation unlike any other. A magical Disney cruise. <laughs> Hiya, pal. Where new stories meet tales as old as time. Enchanté, mon ami. And your family will be cared for the moment you step aboard. Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line. 